Tonight's episode of People I Want to Talk To is sponsored by The Right Flay. The Right, W-R-I-T-E, Flay is a cookbook for starving writers. It was written by Bobby Flay's younger brother, Jimmy Flay. Jimmy, if you don't know, is a fiction writer who never achieved anywhere near the level of success of his older brother, as he was always more interested in writing than cooking. This is not to say that Jimmy lacked the culinary skills necessary to become an iron chef. In fact, when it comes to throwing down in the kitchen, he and his brother Bobby are equally matched. However, due to his chosen profession, Jimmy spent his entire adult life struggling to pay the bills. To keep his passion for writing as well as himself alive and to let the world know who the right, R-I-G-H-T, Flay is once and for all, he combined his God-given talents and wrote a cookbook, which contains over 100 tasty recipes, all of which cost pennies to make and can be washed down with a satisfying glass of tap water. If you, like Jimmy, have sacrificed everything, including fame, fortune, and a healthy, well-balanced diet, to put words on paper, The Right Flay is for you. Visit therightflay.com to purchase your copy today, and don't forget to enter code PEOPLE at checkout to receive 10% off. All right, another sponsor in the books. Thank you very much, and let's start the show. Thank you for tuning in to People I Want to Talk to. I am your host, Jason Sarna, and tonight my guest is David Walensky. David, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I first met David, or Dave is what I typically <laughs> refer to him as, or what I was used to calling him back when I um, we were hanging out in the flesh. Um, but I first met him in 2008 which I'm not sure if he knows, but he will soon enough. Um, so what happened was I applied to an internship in Chicago at the AV Club, which was an entertainment section of the satirical publication The Onion. I was a big fan of The Onion in my early 20s and figured the internship at the AV Club would be my ticket into writing the funny stuff. Um, on April 16th, 2008, I sent an email that read, and this email was addressed to the the internship for the Onion or for the AV Club. I said, hello, I'm very interested in the internship. I've attached my resume, cover letter, and writing samples. If you need these materials sent by mail, let me know and I'll do so. The writing samples are pretty much all technical documents I created in college, thanks. And then I put my name, my phone number, and email. So um, there must not have, I, I don't think that's that impressive, but there must not have been too many too much competition back then because I was invited downtown for an interview. Um, I was living at my parents' house in the suburbs at the time, so driving to the city for an internship opportunity at a publication that I was passionate about was pretty exciting. Um, once I got downtown, I parked and made my way into the building where I met David Walensky. I remember sitting in an office and talking about my writing background and love of movies. I think one of the movies we talked about was Crash, which I... <laughs> remember saying that I liked but I, I don't think Dave liked it, just uh, fine. <laughs> but anyways, I thought the interview went okay, but I was young and naive at that age, so who knows? I really have no idea as far as like how to gauge that. 
Um, so basically, uh, so on May 6, 2008, so about less than two months after, I received an email from David that read, Dear Jason, thank you for your interest in the summer editorial calendar position with the AV Club and for taking the time to speak with us about your qualifications. You have many skills and abilities to bring to an organization. There were a number of qualified final candidates for the position, and our decision was a difficult one. We have selected another candidate whom we believe closely matches the requirements of the position. Best, David Walensky. So then, um, and I responded to that email 30 minutes later, which is, this is kind of where I, where I was at at that time, like very desperate. I responded, I said, all right, but if you need any, and I put any in all caps, help with minor things like a minor internship or something, less hours, responsibilities, et cetera, I can do that. I don't care what. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. <laughs> so basically flash forward to 2010 i'm taking improvisation classes at the annoyance theater and i see this guy in class that looks familiar i'm pretty good at remembering faces but i couldn't place him at first i eventually learned his name and remembered the av club interview and when i searched david walensky in my sent emails i discovered he was in fact the person who interviewed me um, i'm pretty sure i told dave about it but he didn't seem to remember um, but whatever the case, we became friends throughout our time studying improv together and kept in touch throughout the years. Um, a few months ago, I received an email from Dave asking how things have been going, and we've been having lots of email conversations about life, working, um, improv, philosophies, and all sorts of stuff. So, um, so that's kind of a background, and to kick off the conversation, I guess, I'll start with the Onion interview and if he remembers that or not. <laughs> So this is like, uh, like a how dare you kind of conversation <laughs> or no, I mean, I, I definitely remember it. I remembered it when we met years ago. Oh, you Although, did? Yeah. I mean, uh, how long ago was annoyance? That, so 2010. I mean, yeah. you still have the emails. I still have all my emails too, but it didn't occur to me to like, uh, to look them up, you know, in anticipation of us talking, but uh yeah i don't know what the question is in there other than like well i, feel I guess bad about, i feel bad about it still <laughs> and like those decisions are like even though you and i were the only ones who met mm -hmm. uh if this doesn't sound like passing the buck it's like i don't know it, it was a weird time at that publication for everybody and there was more to it than just me deciding it was just that i was available <laughs> I was available and other people weighed in and there, there are all sorts of, you know, dumb and weird politics involved with those things all, all together. But I don't know if I ever like apologized to you. Or no, I don't, I don't, I don't want an apology or anything. I, I just thought <clears throat> I was thinking like how to frame the interview and I just thought of that. Like it kind of popped in. I was like, Oh yeah, that's kind of a funny little thing. That's funny I mean, and weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, um, I mean, looking back, I mean, I don't think I was that qualified. I mean, all I had for like a writing sample was, uh, I didn't have like a journalism degree. My degree was in law enforcement. So it's like, I wasn't like a, um, an attractive candidate on paper. So I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I didn't go to journalism school either. And like, I feel like I've always had this kind of semi, but not real complex about it. Like feeling like oh man, I missed out on like learning all these things that everyone else knows. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but, but I mean, yeah, to, 
to get to your, I guess, question, like, yeah, I totally remember that. And, uh, it, it just feels kind of like weird to be like, yeah, but it was weird for me. You know, it was weird for, it was weird for me too. Um, well, I think I remember asking you an improv and I, I think you're like, Oh, I don't remember that. Or I can't remember what you said. Or like, I, I may have been just like less blunt in those uh-huh. days. Or yeah. maybe I was going through other stuff where I was like, Maybe it, I don't know, but in hindsight, it's like that's kind of a shitty thing to do. To be like, well, yeah, I think I both. I, I mean, don't know if I remember. Yeah, I mean, both of us. I don't know. We were younger at the time, and we were doing it for sure. Yeah, I just didn't know, and I and I thought like because I'm like I hope it doesn't come off as like a passive aggressive thing. Like, how dare he? This was my chance. Like, I think the um, a lot of what we've been talking about through email, like the. Yeah. Almost the illusion of almost like what that could have given to me. Like I, my idea in my mind, like the AV club to me, I wasn't, I didn't really care about writing. I think it was like writing food reviews or something, (laughs) food reviews. And I didn't really care about that. It was like, I just saw it as a thing like, oh, I'm going to go here, do this internship. And then I'll start writing for the onion, writing like satirical. Oh, (laughs) you know, I don't know if we ever talked about that, but like that, that, that I think, um, this is like such ancient history. This is like 10 years ago. Um, feels like, you know, five lifetimes ago for me, but like, you know, a weird thing about like, it's such a confusing thing. Like, so being at the onion, like, yes, I was an editor at the onion, but like it splinters further where it's like, I worked for a company called the onion, but I was an editor for the section, the AV club, Mm -hmm. as you were talking about. And then like when I would be, um, you know, doing stuff like improv classes or doing performing or things like even with like people in bands and stuff, like I think there is like this weird, I even remember like relatives too, or there'd be like this weird thing where it's like, Oh, well you work for the onion. Well, you must think you're, you're hot shit or something. Mm. Or there would be, the, it would be the, there would be the inverse where it would be like, David, you have the power to, to make me famous. You have the power to make my dreams come true. Like yeah. you have to do this. Um, whatever the, this is, and the reality is like they really were like hammering hammering into like all of us that like there's a clear distinction between the onion and the av club and Mm -hmm. i feel like the only people who make this distinction are people who work there and uh so i don't even remember like whose decision it was like oh let's not have jason in here like he's not he's not fit for it like I don't think it really matters not having like a journalism background. It's, I think it's like, do you have skills and do you have like, you know, the, the drive to like go off and, and do stuff on your own. But I do know that like at that time, a big thing they were allergic to is like people who wanted to write for the onion and mm-hmm. saw the AV club <laughs> as a path to their, uh, and of course it all got jumbled. Like mm-hmm. after they had like layoffs and totally cut the section where I was at, where, they like shut down the New York office and then the Chicago onion actually became home to all the comedy writers. I don't know too much about that time where I think it got maybe a little bit more incestuous, but they were really down on like people wanting to come in and like try to try to break in. I mean, even at the beginning, all this, um, COVID stuff, I got somebody, you know what I should, I would look up that email. I don't want to name the name, but it's just, it was so bizarre where someone was like, I want to write a satirical thing about the coronavirus. And I saw somewhere that you worked for the onion. Can you introduce me? Just the random person? Yeah. This was like two, three, <laughs> two, three, two, three months ago. So this is yeah. like, uh, 
this is a thing that's probably a lifelong thing. continues to haunt you. I'll, I'll be in my grave. <laughs> People will be knocking on the coffin. Hey, I have an idea for a, a headline. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, like, f- for me, it's always, like, people don't really believe you when you're like, yeah, I work there, but I don't really know all those dudes. Like, I know some of them, but... Well, there's just a... I feel like <clears throat> the outsiders always think the insiders, no matter where, you, what, where you're at in the company, know, like, so yeah. much more than they actually do, it seems like. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's funny to think about that time because... Um, uh, working for those places, people really don't want to hear that those are like jobs, you know, like they yeah. don't want to hear about like how it's stressful or the politics or the weird personalities. They kind of want, like, I remember at that time people always being like, Oh, I loved this. You know, I love this one headline or I love this one article or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And I, I, I learned quickly, like never to correct people like, Oh, actually, you know, that's, that's the onion. That's not the AV club. And I really learned quickly to be like, just sort of nod and smile. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, did you start it or when did you start working there? And what did it, did you know that clear like differentiation between the two when you started or, uh, I mean, I think instinctually, I mean, I remember like just, you know, like hungrily reading every, <laughs> before the internet before you know like every every print mm-hmm. issue you know reading reading it start to finish and i was aware that like av club was like you know pop culture criticism stuff and local event stuff uh but i don't think i ever really thought too much about like this sort of rigid church and state thing uh until i was there and just like the levels of exhaustion and fatigue from bosses and managers where like they really wanted to you know keep that boundary reinforced Mm -hmm. but you know the flip of it is like so when did i start that's a good question obviously before 2008 (laughs) (laughs) uh i want to say 2006 maybe uh so you were there for a few years or for a decent amount of time yeah before before you and i had met um and and all that is just sort of a a crazy story like how i got started with the writing career uh how i reluctantly got a writing career started like everything i tried to do to avoid it doing so uh, what um because you said you didn't do journalism so what were you going to do originally I don't know. I so uh, I graduated in '05 uh, from Middle Tennessee State University. I got my degree in music business. Oh yeah, music. Yeah, but, I think I remember. Yeah. yeah, I think that's starting to come back. It's weird. So emailing you or talking to you and thinking back, it like starts. It shoots some memories in my brain from like. <laughs> well, I don't think we've seen each other for like eight years, but we have. We have popped up. And each other's email mm-hmm. inboxes. I don't know. Do you do you keep in touch with? Um, well, it's weird. Well, um, with the, like other Chicago improv people, yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, you know Mark, obviously. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Mark Hendricks. Yeah. Um. So him. Um. A lot of Second City people. Um. Uh, just because I don't know, Second City for some reason had a. I felt like the most bonding uh, was Second City because I think they make you stay through the beginning a through e programs they make you typically stay within your group yeah 
So basically, um, from that group, I know like Mark, this girl, Kate, uh, my friend, Al, Ray, Christina, and that's mm-hmm. pretty, so I have a pretty solid group from there. And we actually were just on a Skype call not too long ago, maybe like a week ago with a bunch of people, um, cause Kate was having a baby and everyone's stuck inside because of this virus. So, um, we keep in touch yeah. like that. And typically when I go back home and to visit, we'll typically grab some pizza. It's typically like me, Mark, Al and Kate, but so it's definitely there. And then, um, some people from the annoyance, I feel like the annoyance was second as far as like maintaining friendships or creating things. Yeah, and then it's, yeah, I always just like, fuck all those people. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because for me, I think it's been, even though I think I spent much more time in the second city, uh, it's people I've met through annoyance who I've stayed mm. more in touch with. And I'm, I'm totally out of the loop as I've kind of bounced around and, and done other things. I have no clue what the character of these places are like um, nowadays. But I think like, I don't know. I mean, I remember really liking... Uh, just like the sort of stuff we were doing at annoyance like mm-hmm. i think it's like i think it's like the lazy ways to be like oh it's all it's all punk rock and second city is pop rock or something or it's top 40 mm-hmm. i mean second city is definitely more polished i don't know how interesting the 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 specifics and the weeds of this stuff is for your for your listeners it doesn't like, matter they don't i have like maybe one if that um so uh, yeah okay. i mean the more uh, hopefully yeah we don't piss them off <laughs> yeah Sorry, one person. I don't know. I mean, I remember just like the appeal for annoyance is like the kind of like the encouragement to be weird. And Mm -hmm. I really liked the way that they sort of were, you know, a little bit more honest about like what it's really like. Oh, yeah, definitely. On that that line, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, uh, And I just remember just 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 weird freaks is the main thing i remember <laughs> about my time there but it was like uh-huh. it was i mean i think yeah i mean so it's 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 been interesting i don't know why it is that like you don't really know who you're gonna wind up staying in touch with mm-hmm. uh but there's definitely you and a couple other people from annoyance that like i still sort of swap emails with from time nice. to time even as we've all kind of spread across but um yeah, the short answer I think was like 2006 was <laughs> when I started. All right, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm sorry, man, that it didn't it didn't happen. I, it's it's uh, no, it's fine. I don't need like I don't I don't ex- I don't like blame you for it. I don't um, have any resentment towards it. I think no, I, I know. I think sure. I was bummed I mean, at a... the time, but then I don't know. I think like. I don't think it was something that I would have been great at because I just like I, I was mostly using it as a stepping stone. And I think I remember in the interview us talking about that and me still being OK with it. But I still think in my mind I was like, oh, you know, I was an idiot back then. I was like, was, how old was I at that time? 20. I was like 24, we maybe. Both, we, we both would have been basically kids. I mean. Yeah, I graduated college the year before I started there. All right. Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I had that internship. That's how I got started there. And okay. I was kind of, kind of, sort of lucky with like timing and my attitude and my my drive with like just wanting to get a job. And mm-hmm. there, there with like stuff going online, there was an opportunity there. But like, 
Yeah, I mean, there wasn't a lot of writing in that internship. There was a lot of, like, it sounds so prehistoric now. It was a lot of, like, combing through every venue in Chicago, entering it into a spreadsheet, like, every event happening right. for a week. Yeah. Uh, and that sounds like, oh, how long could that take? But you would spend, like, Mondays through, like, and there were deadlines for it. Be, like, mm. Monday through Wednesdays would be that. Um, there would be, like, stuff where you'd, like, have to transcribe interviews for staffers. Um, it was a lot of thankless stuff, although as the organization grew, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I probably could have been better at that job, but there were definitely people who like never bothered to learn the interns names and they Mm -hmm. just were kind (laughs) of, I thought, I don't know. There's all, there's a whole mess of, uh, personality quirks over there 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, but it was all a lot of, a lot of thankless stuff. So I think it's sort of a fluke that it turned into like, you know, a legitimate writing job. Um, for me, I don't think that that, I don't think, I don't think that could have happened before or after it was just random luck of when I was there mm-hmm. and them kind of taking a shine to me. It's funny. Do you remember crash? Because <laughs> I remember when I first, when I first interviewed there, huh. uh, they hassled me about the Godfather, which I which I hadn't seen, uh, and they were like, "Oh well, we may not hire you because you haven't seen the Godfather." Blah 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 blah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think things there are like very awkwardly, like the stuff that's supposed to be professional. Like no one really knew how to really do it. Like the way the the way to do everything there was definitely like passive aggressive emails mm-hmm. and and maintaining. That's the thing too. Is like these things seem like they're going to be fun places to be yeah there was always like funereal silence there everyone in headphones air mm-hmm. conditioning blasting <laughs> um people just talking on iChat. even though like we're all within you know like we're definitely closer we're we're, we're, we're just working in there there was like 10 of us and we would just be in each other's faces all the time but no one would ever be talking <laughs> 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 so I'm not trying to make it sound like it was less fun, but it was definitely yeah. it was definitely a weird well, I think, um, opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm glad I had it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's it's. I don't really know what it's added up to for me since then, or for other people I've known there. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a ticket anywhere. Yeah, that's that's basically how I've seen it. So you you were basically you were you were in the music industry minor or major. I mean back in school and then you just applied randomly for the internship just to see man so i don't know i don't know what your experience was with with college or how interesting it is uh i just sort of didn't understand the point of Of college yeah and i think i felt like like it's kind of like like it'll lock you in place like you need to decide when you're a kid like what you're gonna do Mm -hmm. the rest of your life and i kept like doing a semester on like I think I like went to Columbia in Chicago one semester, took a All semester right. off. I think I did local, um, like Prairie State one semester. Uh, I just like kept flip flopping. I'm like, is this for me? Do I really know? Like I probably should have just taken like a year off. Instead, I wound up taking a year and a half off between gotcha. um, uh, semesters, like one semester on here and there. Uh, and I don't really know what I was thinking. I think it's just like I had been performing a lot and I was in bands, uh, and music business just seemed like a a natural extension after so much time, like just, just kind of 
farting around. Were you doing anything else besides music or were you just taking like gen ed classes or were you actually taking like other specialty courses designed more uh, towards career? Yeah. So the program, so all this, like it should be noted to like all this education was going on when Napster was happening. Okay. So, so all, all my professors and stuff, no one could really agree on like how to teach students about <laughs> how working in the music industry should work mm-hmm. or, or, or will work because just all the rules were changing. Um, but it was, it was, a it was mainly, you know, like I took classes in like, uh, music publishing, artist management, uh, I don't know, artist publicity, all sorts of things, copyright law. Uh, and I took one class, um, entertainment reporting and writing just sort of on a fluke and it sort of, it, it, it led to my getting an internship at, um, Rolling Stone Damn. in New York. That's actually, that's actually the, the context for all the improv stuff is when I was living in New York for a summer, uh, I was, I took a class at UCB. Um, I think maybe before they really, really blew up, like it was in a bad neighborhood and Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the training like like annoyance the the space this is i think before annoyance moved. did you have like uh any of the big teachers there like polar or besser or any of those no they 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 were uh i think two of them are on the west coast right and two of them maybe are on the east coast i never maybe i saw one of them perform that summer but i didn't have any of them all as right. a teacher i had uh i think because of the way it all stacked up i wound up having two teachers because i just wasn't going to be in new york long enough to finish out one class and i think the two teachers i've had there i don't know like you'll see them in like very minor roles on netflix comedy stuff now where they're like they're the goofy security guard mm. so they're not quite on the the level of uh you know recognizability as those ucb uh for uh but that that really was just like that's how i got started and what did you um why did you even decide to do that like what was the drive to to get into improv or comedy well i was just uh obsessed with uh comedy stuff and uh just as a kid what's up just as a kid like just growing up you just always yeah just just growing up i mean like you know, like I would know what episode of the Simpsons it was based on the couch gag oh, um, Jesus. <laughs> or like, or like watching, uh, kids in the hall every uh-huh. day or, 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 or all these things. And so I was aware of UCB. This, I think this might've been around the time when maybe their show was taken off the air. Uh, I don't know. Like when I was growing up around Chicago, like I rarely went into the city. I never saw this stuff. Mm-hmm. live for some reason just like being out of my natural environment yeah i mean growing up it was mainly like performing in bands and a lot of the stuff in bands was like i think it it, it comes from that same impulse of why i like improv which is like can i can i go in front of a group of people and do something really ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> largely to entertain myself mm-hmm. under the auspices of the being entertainment for others like like in high school, I did um, battle the bands. Oh, I nice! Yeah, we had that. I did, I, I, I did a thing called noise generators, <laughs> uh, with like everything spelled with like numbers and Z's and very obnoxious. And uh, it was me on stage with a guitar 
Um, and it started off, it sounded like it was, uh, you know, going to be like a pretty ballad or something. And I like, I hit a sour note and then slowly by slowly, like it would all sort of devolve. And I had like, <laughs> I had like, uh, like tape, like a, like a tape player set up to like an amp and I had like a keyboard going and like, it went from being this thing that was like, oh, this seems like this is going to be kind of lovely to just being this like wall of terrible <laughs> loud noise uh i'm sure i have a recording of it somewhere it was a bizarre thing it just like it got louder and louder and every band had a 15 minute limit and uh i i, w I didn't they wound up like shutting off the electricity to get me off oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was this bizarre thing though i'll never forget where like people thought they could end it by like standing and clapping they thought they could like you know like all right that's that yeah that concludes that um so i don't i don't know i mean that that that's like the weirdest stuff i was doing in mm -hmm. bands but like you know a lot of bands with like myspace songs posted online what other kind playing. of bands like were you in like were you like doing a trent reznor were you like yourself doing electronic stuff were you in, in actual <laughs> band bands that like people and like what kind of uh a variety i mean there was definitely like goofier stickier stuff like there was a friend i had down the street named peter snyder mm -hmm. uh we would like hang out after school and like write stupid songs about like the lemonade stand we had when we were kids or we were just like we were just like like jamming and doing weird stuff um all the way up through uh i remember we would go to this coffee shop nearby for their open mic and uh we would do stuff like under the name of like hot buttered face <laughs> uh where we would, i don't know it was very bizarre like like a tightly wound sticky dumb stuff where definitely the thrill of it is more like we can't believe we're subjecting other people <laughs> to this mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh all the way up to like there was like a quote unquote more serious band that I was in called Robo Dream Date, all right, <laughs> uh, which is definitely sticky as well. But like we like recorded uh, an album that got written up in the sometimes. <laughs> oh damn, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean it was all like goofy conceptual. Like oh we're gonna robots are coming to destroy you know Earth and they're gonna kill all humans. It's like it's like really like pre tenacious D kind of like goofiness. Mm. Um, uh, so I don't know. I don't know where, where Trent Reznor falls into all that. <laughs> definitely like a, like a nine inch nails fan. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know. Like I just like, I never did like the comedy and performing stuff. So I think like when I was away at school or when I was in New York, it was like, well, I don't have my guitar with me. You know, this might be like a fun new thing to try. Mm -hmm. Who know? You know, it's like, I don't really, I don't know if we've ever really talked about like, well, how did you start, you know, with improv stuff? And I mean, I think you've, you've stuck with it more than I have, but you're in more of a position than I am right now to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I got into it just cause, um, well, I was, um, I came, I was living in LA for a little bit uh, with my friend, Paul, who was going to school out there to be a drummer. Then I came back to Illinois and my friend Courtney told me about second city and said they have sketch writing there. And I was like, 
you know, I, I like comedy as well. I didn't know it as much as you did, like The Simpsons, or I, I didn't have things memorized. I just always kind of enjoyed comedy for the most part. Like I was a big Three Stooges fan, big Simpsons fan, um, yeah, a lot of movies, and um, yeah, just started in sketch, and then basically the sketch teachers were like, "Oh, if you want to become a better sketch writer, take an improv class." Do you think that's true, though? I mean, part of me. I mean, well, what do you think? I, I can, um, as far I as a sketch and improv? Yeah, I mean, do you think one really benefits the other, or is it like training centers trying to push more product on you? <laughs> <laughs> I think at the time, and still, I kind of tell people about it and kind of make a joke about how it's just them trying to make more money or yeah. whatever. But I, I do think, um, I don't know if performing it, like when you're on stage, if that... I think I think it does help a lot. I mean, I think more so just watching it. And I think watching what engages you as an audience member with people on stage just kind of like acting out. You know what I mean? Like kind of like yeah. the bare bones scene of of improv, like how that would play off as like a sketch. And you, you start seeing like what is engaging, what doesn't work. I think a lot of like energy stuff you pick up on as far as um, whether or not a scene has an energy and it's kind of hard to explain. You could just kind of tell though by looking yeah. at it um, as also like the confidence of the, the actors, the performers just uh, so I think, it, I think there's a lot of, a lot of it for sure. I think like, I think it's true. I think like definitely like taking those introductory level classes. Like I don't think that like if your interest is in writing, you need to like become a master at like object work. In fact, no, I, don't yeah, think, no. I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone we knew back in those days was like any, any halfway good at it. Oh um, no. But I think it's like, there's a lot to be said for something that gets you out of your head and, I think it, it does sort of wake your brain up to like, here's kind of a different way to, to think creatively. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's even like that, you know, that you I don't even know if it is UCB slogan anymore. Their whole thing is like, don't think. And I think that, uh, if your interest <clears throat> or your main output is, is writing, it's like so difficult to be in that place where, mm -hmm. whether, whether you struggle with like judging whatever you're writing or i guess like that's like a big one like i think that's really the value of um i think just in general yeah and, definitely and i know i know that was the thing that we were talking about anyways like mm -hmm. it does bleed through uh into the rest of your life or it can i think that's a, a truly uh valuable thing that uh, just hearing you say that again like i was like yeah when i hear it now you know, less in the rotation of those classes, it does kind of <laughs> sound like they're saying like, Hey, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> you want to do, you want to do this? Well, you should uh, definitely sign up for our $500 what, <laughs> what, one afternoon seminar <laughs> on vaudeville uh -huh. uh, or, or something like that. I, I think, um, yeah. So, so I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I guess to me, it's like, the same muscle, like whether it's playing with bands, although arguably the bands I was in, although there was definitely musicianship, it was definitely a high degree of, uh, uh, performance art, I suppose, to right. be generous. <laughs> <laughs> 
do you still have like your uh but yeah really quick on the improv stuff though um yeah but yeah. yeah so i got into it like that i was basically like a loser um had nothing going on so got into it that's like in a sketch but like improv <laughs> like you're saying i was just gonna say that like you know uh, the thing not being said and knowing what episode of the simpsons it is mm-hmm. based on the introduction yeah is a is a roundabout way of saying like i had very few friends and i was right. watching a lot of tv <laughs> it's not a nice thing to brag about yeah yeah i yeah it's i mean it's good though i mean yeah i like watched it i i just didn't know stuff at that on that level and i remember being jealous of people who did and being like oh i wish i had the that comedy history that ingrained yeah. in me like even when you, especially when you go to start studying the stuff and you just start uh lining yourself up with or or uh, comparing yourself to other students and where they came from and it's like damn it's like these people really did a lot more work than i did or they know a lot more than i do or whatever but yeah it's funny i think i felt like i think there i think there reaches a point where with all that stuff it's funny because it kind of echoes the journalism school stuff where it's like oh well i never actually studied serious acting and i think at second city that's the thing they kind of drill into you that that falls under the umbrella of what we're talking about which is like well if you want to be good at this thing you got to you got to know about this other skill. Um, I guess like nowadays, these kind of conversations, I think it really has to do about like, well, what are your goals? Like, like, what are you looking to get out of this? Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I don't think any of those like improv things I was doing, I don't think I was ever thinking of like, what's the goal with this? Like you definitely run into people who are like, Oh, I want to be on Saturday night live. Or, yeah. I want to go to LA and make it whatever that means. But well, that's... I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I was the goal person, but I, I didn't know what, I, I didn't know why, like once I got into improv, it was like a, a mostly torture for me. Like I, I enjoyed watching <laughs> it and I was like, Oh, this is going to make me a better writer. And, yeah. but then I got like sucked into it somehow. And next thing you know, it's like, I'm taking every program from every th- possible thing I'm doing yeah. it for like five years. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here with this? Um, and it I mean, was, yeah, I think I was using it, <clears throat> I think I was using it like a lot of people use it and even because I teach it now out in Reno and I think a lot of people use it as like a therapy. Like I think a lot of times I'm like, I should just been seeing a therapist instead of, <laughs> well, you know, that's what all that stuff started as like, you know, it's a way to socialize, uh, like traumatized children. So it's, it's always interesting because like. I really felt that way at Annoyance that uh, I think these were classes that you had with me where there would be people in those classes that are like using, man, I just remember like we, were you, were you at the McNapier level? Were we in the same class at that point? Or I don't know if we, we I think, cause I thought you guys took like, um, like, cause she was like you and your, your girlfriend at the time right. together. I think you guys took off like, um. It might have been some a semester or something like that. Or, yeah, but I mean that class was fucking crazy with Mick. I mean the thing I was in, I'm, there is some crazy shit going on, and at the same time, <laughs> like guys, yeah. I mean stuff that would not fly. I mean in this culture, like guys pretending to be one. One time, I remember the shower scene where this one dude was pretending to be a woman, and he was like soaping his pussy, and he was like just like being oh, wow. super vulgar about it. <laughs> yeah i don't know what it is about annoyance like i remember in mixed level of class we had like 
because there's a thing where you do a show, I guess, and people come out. Yeah, and yeah. Pay tickets, and I just remember the first sketch. Like, they our class was so huge, they split us into like two quote unquote troops or teams, and I just remember the first, you know, lights up. Uh, a woman on stage sitting in a chair, and there's another guy with her in the scene, and she says. <laughs> Dad, stop raising me. <laughs> I just, like, I don't know what it is about annoyance where people are like, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is, I mean, I think like they empower you to like make moves that like, without thinking about them, but that's yeah. the other thing about annoyance too, where it's like, well, you can think about it a little. Uh, I don't remember the rest of that scene or what happened. I think uh-huh. that's one of those things where it's like, well, you have to pull lights because where is this going to go? Where is this going to go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they would always pitch like too. They're like, we're the only theater in Chicago where you could kind of do and say your own thing and blah blah blah. Like they were really prideful about that. So I think right. like pitching that thing, like for me at least, it's like it gave me complete freedom to be, which is why I love the annoyance so much. Um, like I really like Second City just because it was like I never did it. I made a lot of good friends, but then the annoyance right. is like to be an artist and to really express yourself. And like, I think people should express themselves, which is completely non-filtered and non-apologetic when it comes to their art, which doesn't right. seem to be the case nowadays. But right. a funny thing, though, when I was taking the annoyance class, I was also, so I was in mixed class. I don't know if I ever told you this, like I was in mixed class on Saturday, which was the last level of the annoyance where all hell's going right. loose. And then I was in level one at IO on Sunday. And I was doing some shit at bringing the annoyance shit to the IO level one and uh, got in some trouble there. Oh, no. No, you never told me about this, but I I can imagine. Yeah, one one scene I was doing a scene. I was doing some scene about something, and it was like my wife left me for another man, and my child was there, and I called her. I was like, yeah, your mother's a cunt or something like that. I I, I basically said the the c word and yeah um after i got after i did the scene the teacher at the time she's like oh i hope you're not like that in real life or something i'm like oh yeah i am like i i was it was kind of a very weird odd um thing for mm-hmm. somebody to say like it, it was like they were she thought i was like that and blah 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 so then anyways like i was like well i'm not doing that anymore like i just i was like i'll, I'll just play all nice positive choices here because that's kind of like what it seems like I should be doing. So, so I did. And then basically when I went in level two, Susan Messing was my teacher there again over at IO. And she yeah. pulled me aside and she's like, Hey, what's this? I hear about you're doing a bunch of misogynistic. <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, don't, I'm like, are you serious? She's like, yeah, She's been, she's like, told me about it. She's like, I, and Susan was super cool. She's like, yeah, I've worked with you and I don't know. And I kind of just told her what went on and we just kind of talked it out. And then I, I responded to the teacher who I had in level one. And she was basically like completely still kind of ticked off about it. She said that a lot of the women felt uncomfortable around me and that I was, um, that I didn't say just cunt, I said useless cunt. So she like memorized oh. exactly what I said, and I'm just like, and it was a very, it was, it was about that time where I was like, I think it's about time I get out of this. And uh, so you just bailed on IO. I stayed through the whole program, like wow, un- really? 
begrudgingly, I kind of just whole year. Yeah. Wow. Cause I like I'm one of those people who can't even finish. I'll have to finish a movie or have to finish a book that I don't like. And no, I'm the same way. I get it, but that's such a awkward start to a year. Yeah. It sucked. And then, so yeah, so then I had that and then I was like, once I was done with that, I was like, all right, I'm done. And it kind of just going back to the, the annoyance, it makes you be like, yeah, it's like, I just, it's that freedom to do and say whatever. And like IO, it's like, I don't know how they are now, but it's just like, I don't know. It's like play to the top of your intelligence, but it's like, I'm not that smart and I say dumb shit. So I guess I can't perform at that theater. (laughs) I mean, my memory of you is like, uh, I mean, Mark was great too, just because I had never uh, seen or played with anyone like him, just the sort of stuff that he would, he would throw out. But I just remember that you had like this really, uh, like fun intensity. I don't know if like, mm-hmm. the, I don't know if you felt like, maybe not because of what you're saying. I don't know if like you played differently at annoyance compared to IO. Uh, but that, that's my memory of you and other people that I know from back then. Like I have one friend who like his only memory of me at IO is that I played dogs in every scene. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I could think of maybe one time where I was an animal and it was like one of those things where they were like, someone said there was a dog in the scene. So I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll just, I'll just jump in and be the dog. Mm-hmm. That, that should be <laughs> dramatically interesting, right? What am I going to do? Like pee on something? <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know. Like there's definitely something to be said or it's like, yeah, you, you should jump out there before you know what you're going to do. But you can also take like half a second and think like, do I really want to do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really the strongest choice I could make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, li- I like, yeah, I, th- I think that I, I, I remember, I'm trying to think like what I, I think fun intensity was, I, I liked being intense and yeah. just fun and goofy and weird. Um, I, and I, I pretty sure you were the same. I mean, I don't know if you were as intense but I remember you just having very out there ideas and kind of like avant-garde, I guess, sort of <laughs> things. <laughs> I remember like when you finish IO, I remember like they can give you feedback. Um, mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess like I'm on Noah, if Noah is even still doing it. Yeah, yeah. Is that, is that even the right name? Yeah, where like you can find out like a very terse half sentence of like, you know, his diagnosis of where you're at. Yeah. And I remember, uh, like, meeting in the office to hear it for, it sounds, I don't know. The the whole way that those things are formalized are so weird. Uh But I remember, like, the feedback was like, yeah, David is, uh, he he has the uh, intensity of a rabid animal or something. (laughs) I was like, what does that mean? (laughs) Is that good? Is that bad? Should I be more like a rabid animal? Uh, I don't know. There's definitely something, like, when you do have weird intensity intensity to you i think you run into people who think it's like some sort of like mm-hmm. it's effortful like yeah, I, yeah. It's like i'm sure for you it's like just what you do naturally um well i'm such a same. nothing person in real life i'm such a <laughs> like I, in class i just sat there and you know just was nice and polite and barely talked to anybody but it's like yeah. i don't know it's like if i have I don't know. I think a lot of thing in life for me, it's like roles. It's like if I'm in improv, I could play some crazy character. If I'm in real life, I'm act nice and cordial. So it's like to get a stage that allows you to kind of be whoever you want to be. And 
I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I my also thoughts on comedy, like I was saying before, are just kind of like there are no rules exactly. Like you could kind of do whatever you want, and mm-hmm. and it's just like starting probably from that IO class into now. Like even now, um, one of my teammates or I coach a team out here in Reno and. Mm-hmm. Some got one of the members said, or one of the guys on the team said something, and somebody who's a member of the organization got mad. And it's like we got a you know a talking to, and then I have you know over over saying retard. It's just like <laughs> I don't know. I was uh, uh, all these positions reversed. I was in the position of uh, I was teaching at Second City. And for a writing assignment, uh, we had a, a we uh, a student chose to um, for this one assignment. Like he came in and he read, you know, like you go around, you read what you did, and then you talk about it and you offer feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy wrote a thing that was like two pages, <laughs> single spaced, um, about the importance of swallowing after oral sex <laughs> and like i don't know maybe it takes five minutes to read two pages and like just like that's the thing like they never really train you for like that that sort of stuff is going to happen mm-hmm. like like teaching and you're responsible oh yeah for, definitely like, like like nurturing people's creativity and you definitely don't want to be like feeling like you're censoring people and it's like well, I'm like, well, the good the good thing about like the assignment being this long is I have some time to think about how I'm gonna handle this one. Uh, I, I don't know if this happened with <laughs> you at IO, but like after that that class, like even though I tried to, you know, mend things and make sure that it was uh, handled as respectfully and 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 uh, you, you know like sternly as as maybe it was called for. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, there were a couple people who, like, just dropped out after that. Of the class? Yeah, from the class. And so I don't think there's anything that, like, I don't know. Did you have a talk? Uh, like, what did you do? Like, did you read it out loud? And were you, like, <laughs> like during the reading, you're like, oh, shit, here we go. Well, they, they read their own assignment out loud. <laughs> so I could, I could just see many of the female students getting, you know, more, more okay. uncomfortable yeah you know and then it's that weird thing too where it's like well we still have two and a half hours to go <laughs> after, after we navigate this one minefield and so what'd you do like how did you i don't remember honestly i mean i remember you know so he was basically saying like it's important that the women swallow my cum yeah. because yeah yeah i mean i don't know it's like it, i guess it would be one thing if it was like funny then mm-hmm. it's like all right we have some stuff we could talk about structurally here yeah yeah but it was like just this like weird tense awkward thing but i also remember you know like that's the thing it's like you would expect it to be an annoyance but like that was at second city and i can mm-hmm. remember you know subbing in teaching for an improv class there and there being like like uh i don't know it's like it's basically like another kid it's like, hey, I brought in this thing. It's like an idea for a scene that's all about me reading my suicide note. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 almost like maybe people should wait until their thirties to do all that improv stuff because <laughs> there's all this weird baggage you bring to it. Yeah, and like, definitely. There's all these weird ways where you're like trying to behave like an adult. Where mm-hmm. like, 
I remember just like so many co- scenes about couples where like their arms are around each other's shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's how you know they're married. <laughs> hey, honey. I know. Yeah. 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 Well, even me, like, doing a, I'm 26 or 27, whatever, I'm like, oh, my fucking wife left me the fucking cunt. It's like, what the fuck? It's like, I don't that's have why any... you should. That's why you should be the dog, man. Like... Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> that's a better choice. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, but I've had weird, I mean, teaching is, strangely, you're saying there is no guidebook, and it's kind of like you're just flying at the seat of your pants, and... It's like, you know, like t- from teaching improv now for like two years, it's like I've been it's yeah. like, I've been in situations where shit's gotten physical on stage with people like um, mostly guys going after other guys. Um, thankfully, hasn't been much creep, creepy stuff with guys yeah. and women physically. But then there's also sometimes when guys are like in their 20s and they're like, you know, they probably shouldn't be an improv or they're just um uh, going through some shit they're saying like bitch or something like that so it's like i don't think i'm right and it's like how do i handle this shit and i don't i don't know the interesting thing about teaching is uh you you just like you you walk into the room and they all think you know like all the answers or like you know like what to do it's a really (laughs) weird feeling i remember Mm -hmm. because like i went from like years and years of classes and definitely you know having a resume outside of it but like it's it's like how did i get teaching experience well i just started teaching because they Mm -hmm. let me do it yeah exactly Uh, but i don't even remember like how many like interviews and hoops and things i had to go through to get there Mm -hmm. i can Uh, imagine because you were at second city right yeah i was teaching at second city yeah and i had like was teaching like uh in their writing program and uh, ever the, the freelancer, I had like created some classes yeah. to, to, to make sure that like, well, I can teach this and well, I'll do that next term. And cause there's always people who can teach, you know, improv 101 or, or writing 101, mm-hmm. um, especially, especially in Chicago where, uh, I mean, there's such a large faculty and it's such fundamental stuff that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but I remember that being just like a very profound feeling, like starting the first class and however maybe hiccupy it was, like everyone just kind of like, well, he's a teacher, so he, <laughs> he, he knows he knows he knows what we should be doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> You've yeah yeah, and sometimes it's like I feel like some of the students they just stare at you, like just like looking at you, like yeah. I'm just like I don't I don't know I I come. There's one time somebody I remember some kid was saying something about like I was talking about like entrances and exits and like Mick was pretty strict on from the annoyance for those that one person who's listening um so Mick from the annoyance is always big on like you know open the show very presentable say you know be very like straight to the point don't be funny don't do this involve the audience um just give very clear directions as far as like what's about to go down and mm-hmm. um, I was like explaining that to a class, and this one kid's like, "Oh, well, that doesn't matter. It, it doesn't." I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Yeah, it does." And I was like, and, it, "And he's like, well, why?" I'm like, "Because I'm the teacher, and I say so." <laughs> you know, you're bringing back <laughs> memories of. Uh, there are definitely also students that uh, want to try to prove they maybe know more than you. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there was some writing thing 
uh, or this one student kept bringing in every week, like, parodies of the movie Taken. <laughs> nice. So this is a really, really dated <laughs> time, but I would be like, yeah, you know, like, this is getting a lot of laughs and stuff, but, like, you don't want to just be relying on, like, pop culture things that are, you know, pretty ephemeral, like... I don't know. There's this like weird thing. I remember I used to always talk about in my in my classrooms there about like it's like you're there to learn a creative skill, craft, trade, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there's a <clears throat> it doesn't matter whether it's improv or writing or what. But like there's just still this like reluctance people have to take risks and to seem vulnerable or to like just sort of be like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a freak and these are my weird freak ideas. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's sort of the point of those kind of classes is like, be who you are. Don't worry about how other people are going to react. Although that gets into tricky territory because then you get the kind of performances and assignments you and I were talking about, but like, I definitely remember, you know, whatever. I mean, it, it, it runs the gamut. And I think that, like, similar to The Onion, there's stuff where, like, you're teaching comedy where, I don't know, people just get kind of weird about it, even though when you're teaching, you're really there to help them. So, I don't know, man. There's not really a question in there, but that is, like, a memory of those experiences, like a definite through line from time to time where... I don't know. Maybe they're skeptical. Maybe they want to test what you know. But there's mm-hmm. definitely like this this attitude of like, well, I mean, I remember getting a note like that once at Second City too, or someone like a teacher was like, "David, you're having too much fun." <laughs> 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 so I mean, there's all types of approaches to mm-hmm. it. I guess is what I'm saying. Did you like teaching? And like, when yeah, you for sure. Yeah, I mean, I miss it. Um, I definitely would do it again mm-hmm. if I had a chance, although I, I feel like my approach would be uh, different in some way, I guess just because I'm I'm older. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I was always fixated on a second city, like, like don't use this stuff to be, um, like, career students. Like, don't just be... I, I think that's... I don't know if that's just a particular thing there's a risk for in Chicago, but, like... It's funny because I feel like in the beginning I talked about not being very goal-oriented with the stuff, but I definitely was not interested in like going from program to program for years and years and years because I think there's definitely a risk risk of that happening. So I was always very much minded, minded towards like, like use this to work on your own stuff, um, be working on your own stuff. Like, yeah, you're making friendships here, but like be mindful that when these classes end, like you're going to be, you know, what what are you going to be doing? Um, yeah. That's good. Just, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Something like you never hear. I think that's what it was. Honestly, I think like when I started off teaching, it was like, Oh, well I'll just be, I think this is the thing I guess all, all teachers do is like you be the sort of teacher you wish you had. Yeah, definitely. Maybe, and, and a lot of that's shaped, I think in the beginning by like, it's almost like, parenting although i have no kids it's like um no kids that i know of right 
<laughs> it's like it's like you start off like strongly like going in the opposite direction of like all the kinds of yeah teacher teachers who you like had friction with like i don't think i would ever say to a student like you're having way too much fun how where the fuck do you get off yeah that's an odd thing <laughs> to tell somebody but yeah man like uh i mean i did, I did some other teaching too at like a couple of universities and stuff mm-hmm. and uh it's always a thing that's sort of in the ether, like like talking to people in teaching or in academia, or that that's like another thing that I'm sort of kicking around now is like trying to figure out if there's some way to get back into teaching this fall because uh, just I think universities are going to be scrambling to figure out how they're going to adapt to this stuff if people don't feel safe to come back. Yeah. So I mean, I really I really do miss teaching and I really do miss performing, but like. It's so funny because, like, I remember coming up with that stuff. Like, I would run into people who don't do it anymore, and I would be like, well, why didn't you stay with it? It's just kind of funny that, like, for me, that's kind of where I'm at now. But I do think about this stuff all the time still. Just, like, improv and sketch and all that stuff? Yeah. I mean, like, I wish I was doing that sort of stuff more. I think it's more like the sort of... uh I guess philosophies or mentalities they try to like instill in you whether intentionally or not. I honestly don't know that I've really talked to other people who have gone through these programs like hey has this been a thing that's like changed the way you look at life and the way you approach life or I think it has. I mean a lot of I mean yeah. I've had I've had conversations with other people like my friends at Second City like my friend Al and I were talking this past Christmas we were out to eat and um he was just saying yeah. a lot how it's just like just failure was big for him just like knowing that he could go up on stage and fail in life and like knowing that that's a skill that you could obtain in life and he's like he's like that I wouldn't be in my position that I am now like in his job because I think he started taking more like through improv he started taking more professional risks um cuz it you know yeah. if he failed at whatever he was going for he knew that it was okay so it's like I think there's a lot, a lot of things like that within improv. And I mean, for me, it's also recognizing like what it's trying to do. It's trying to just get you to be in a present moment and just react and be like a hundred percent present with the person you're with. And it's like so many people just aren't that anymore. And even myself, I'm guilty of it all the time. I mean, right now, like in this conversation, I'm getting stupid calls and text messages and I mean, yeah. thankfully yeah. I haven't been looking at, I, I looked at the phone once and it kind of threw me off and I was kind of pissed. I was like, God damn it. I'm having this conversation. Thankfully I only responded to 12 of them. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, I guess you're talking about being present. It's funny. Like the kinds of things in the rear view, like what I remember from all those years of classes, all those years of performing, all those years of like, basically just like being an idiot with strangers and taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. Cause that is the thing that like you do stay with like a cohort of people and some of them do follow you from one place to the other. So it's yeah. kind of all mushy and blurry, but I do remember like getting into this semi momentary heated disagreement with someone, uh, when we were like practicing for some show and there was like, there was like a person who in the, in the, in our group who like, 
you know, she was a performer and I think she felt like it was her responsibility. It's funny how like all these like personal things about you, you know, and your attitude towards others and towards relationships and goals and things like they kind of manifest in the way you approach performing this stuff. Like I remember there was someone like she felt like it was her responsibility to quote unquote like save the performance so she would always be like 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 coming out and, and kind of trying to quote unquote save scenes and I just I still remember this conversation that I had with her in front of everyone where she's I was like you know we were talking about it and I was like well what's going on and she's like well I you know I could tell they were going to do x y and z so I wanted to come in and help steer it towards a b and c mm-hmm. And there's this phrase I remember saying to her that I still think about, which is like you, uh, well, like you're judging a moment while you're in it. And if you're doing that, then you're not present for it. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you know what's going to happen? And, and I guess like if I had to distill down all that stuff into one phrase, it's that whole judging a moment while you're in it. It's like, it's a thing you can't do. Uh, but I think like we're so hardwired as humans like we want things to turn out well we want to be in control mm-hmm. it feels scary and weird to be like well whatever's going to happen is going to happen yeah and honestly if you screw up on stage in an improv thing i think there's just like this heightened thing where people tie like oh i gotta get on a, a team because that's going to lead to you know sort of like you were talking about with the onion where it's like well you know this thing is going to lead to that I mean, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. I mean, the whole thing, I mean, and, and somebody like that sounds, it's like you're, you're doing exactly what you shouldn't be doing in improv, which is like you said, judging the moment and being, plus judging others too. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that's the thing I didn't even really dig into, but it's like, I think that's really what I like about that stuff. And what I still kind of carry through is like being really comfortable, not knowing where things are going. And I find yeah. as a civilian now, you know, less who intersects with this stuff less often other than like conversations with you and a couple of other people. It's like, it's like a language I know how to speak, but most people don't know it, don't think about it and maybe don't think that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, you know, this is so far removed from like 2005 in New York where like, you know, I'm meeting people at UCB and mm-hmm. we're going out for drinks afterwards <laughs> and like people will not stop doing bits. I remember being, oh, so, yeah, annoyed. I remember being <laughs> so annoyed or it's like, can't you just be a person? Like, uh, so I don't know. It's, I, I think that probably, I probably drove those people nuts too. Cause like that, I guess was part of paying for the classes. Like you have to subject other people to your bits for, <laughs> hour, for hours. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's that's definitely true, and like everything you're saying is just so spot. I mean, I I feel like there's even more. I mean, I didn't understand improv. Like, like I was kind of like you're saying, you're just in New York or UCB or Second City or whatever, yeah, just going through yeah. the motions, going out with friends, not really thinking about it. But now that I'm older and after doing it for you know, I did it for like five years straight almost, and getting out of it, then teaching it again and going back to it, and and also just like. So learning what it's really about and then like learning, um, learning how to get comfortable living in that uncertainty, which I think is something that I personally struggle with my entire life. And if you could get past that, it's kind of freeing to be in that situation. And I think for improv too, like if I went, I, I it would be kind of fun to perform and with that mentality. Cause it's like, I don't know if I've ever really did. I did sometimes I feel like, but not a lot. A lot of times there was judgment or 
thinking about things and I didn't see myself on SNL, but even if I bombed or did something, it was like the mm-hmm. end of the world back then. I think it's hard though, because it's like these are lofty philosophical positions to take, and then mm-hmm. the reality is like, you know, can you can you try to transcend and be present and not worry when it's 11 p.m. on a Sunday downtown Chicago and you're performing in some shitty bar? There's yeah. like three people, <laughs> some three people in there. Like, like I can't tell you, I can't. I, like that's that's another memory I have. Uh-huh. Like, how, how many shows like that? Yeah, like, we did one. I remember that me, you, Mark, and like two. I remember we did one. It was like an open room. We did a show at, and it was. Did we? Yeah, I think this is the one show we did together. You guys were doing shows, doing something else. Oh, and then, yeah, the four of us, that's right. And then somebody couldn't make it, so we went, and it was just a... There was barely any people there, and it was, like, just in a <laughs> square area, like, no stage. And I remember thinking, like, I'm just going to go fucking crazy. Like, I just didn't care. And it was actually the super odd, interesting, funny show. I, I remember what? it being that way, and I just remember... It, I think the low numbers of people just made me just not care if we bombed or whatever happened. Yeah. I mean, I don't really mind about that. I know for some people it makes them, it it ratchets up their nerves because they Mm -hmm. feel like, oh, there should be more people here and am I wasting my life and am I any good? (laughs) I don't, I I guess I do remember, do you remember any specifics about that show? I can't remember exactly. (laughs) I can't remember exactly what was going on. I just, I just remember there was like a, like a car like it was a carp it wasn't a stage or anything it was just like some bar on the north side and was it downstairs somewhere it could have been possible i can't really remember but i just remember doing it i remember it going over fairly well and i just remember we were all kind of on a on a level of just playing uh you know back in the annoyance days probably just playing goofballs and weirdos and <laughs> and dogs yeah Misog- dogs. <laughs> and mis- misogynists yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was a, so, so going back, so then that's all an improv thing. So then what were you right. doing at the Ro- Rolling Stone? Like you, that was just an internship. Yeah. So that was an internship. Um, again, sort of like just a, a right place, right time, mm-hmm. right mentality thing where, uh, it was, it was a real, uh, weird class that I had because I think it was like build. It's like, Oh, you're going to review concerts and go cover events and instead it was a lot of like well al gore is on campus because his dad uh i don't know if he went there al gore's dad has like there's like gore hall at middle tennessee right. state so there was a thing where like al gore was on campus and it's supposed to be like writing about bands and and musicians and stuff and i remember like the first thing like there was a there was like a, a sign on the door that was like class today is rescheduled go to such and such room and you know it was like a small, small square room where like maybe there was like 30 people or something in there um, where we got to see Al Gore speak. And it was like the assignment instead of reviewing this concert is to write up Al Gore's speech. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I mean, other assignments I did, I did a review of Shrek, uh, which I guess also dates this in time. Um, I mean, I did, I did, you know, I did whatever the assignments were. And I guess the, the teacher professor, she was, uh, she was impressed and introduced me to, um, an editor at, at Rolling Stone. 
Uh, and I really had just, for many reasons, done everything I could to avoid embarking down uh, a writing career. So it's just very funny where it's like, I went out of my way to <laughs> avoid these types of things, um, which sounds very, I don't know, like a dumb, humble brag, but it's just, I was very aware that like, it's not a good career path and there's not a lot of money. Not that that necessarily is a thing that drives me. Um, but yeah, it led to, yeah, like an internship, um, not unlike the one that, that you were, uh, that, that we met for, you know, before, um, in 2008, uh, I think I had like a summer long project of tracking all the updates and announcements for the live eight concerts. Uh, which I don't even know if that rings a bell for you. I'm is that a band, a Live Eight, or is that like a show? Or Live Eight was like a festival. Okay. Um, it, it was it was a series of concerts all over the the world um, that summer in, in 2005. So yeah, I just like, knew I just knew Ozfest and Jamboree back then. <laughs> I think it was like a, like a spiritual <laughs> sequel to Live Aid. So it was like a, okay. it was like a like a benefit <laughs> happening all around the world. Gotcha. And, and my bosses didn't want to be bothered with like tr- tracking all of this, so they're like, "David, you you go and <laughs> keep track of this." <laughs> and I remember just like going and, uh, you know, you're so busy in those things, like and like we were all in cubicles. Like I was like next to the IT guy or something, mm-hmm. and I I remember he like. He shared his iPod with me one day. He's like, "Hey, I have the new White Stripes album, like like a couple months early. Do you want it?" And I was like, "Yeah, all right." Because I was just like <laughs> desperate to have any human contact with any other person. I just remember like, like it's so funny because like people here like, "Oh, you worked at Rolling Stone. That must be so glamorous." And mm-hmm. like, my main memory is like walking down to Central Park and like eating lunches by myself in these like sad <laughs> plastic bags. <laughs> Were the people as tuned out as they were in the onion, like you were saying, like just kind of just uh, oblivious of one another in I, a way? I just, think, I think, I think it was even more corporate because there were like there were like cubicles, and it was more regimented. Like every morning, me and the other interns, like we would gather around our boss's cubicle and like pitch him stories to maybe cover. Not that we would necessarily write up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I did a little bit of writing and honestly, if I didn't have that internship, which like I had the, the balls at the time, like they offered me the internship and I told Rolling Stone, like with no like professional writing experience other than this one class, I was like, yeah, I have to think about it. Let me get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's not that many years before you and I met. Oh, uh, why did you say that were you just seriously contemplating like i don't know if i want to go down this writer path because of all that stuff you were thinking about i think i just didn't know where the hell i was going and what i wanted to do and i think i still thought like oh you take an internship that locks you in a path and i think that i had this like snobbishness of like it's like well i don't even really respect rolling stone magazine <laughs> i don't think they're like plugged in with what's going on <laughs> Uh, you could have been the one to bring him up to date if you. <laughs> hey guys, I got the new White Stripes album. Have you heard of them? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was going on. I, I guess, like in in contrast to like where the state of media and everything is now, it's like I'm not saying like oh, it would have been better if I didn't go down that path. But like, I don't even really think that way. It's like, well, what's done is done, and mm. you know. I mean, it led to the Onion, which I'm not 
still sure all these years later, like what that might be leading towards, but careers and all that is a whole, is a whole other mess. Like I can't even imagine for people who like go all in on like improv and they think like, this is going to be my future. I mean, there's definitely a thing where like it is mostly young people in their twenties there. And every once in a while, like you do run into like the person going through a divorce or Mm -hmm. like the token, like, retiree or something the old man improv you call them the old man improv but you said you didn't coin that you said someone else i i don't remember i definitely remember that phrase being thrown around in the offices (laughs) at second city so it's 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 got to be a thing since time immemorial where well (laughs) well you were the first one who told me it and like right as soon as you said it i started cracking up because I knew exactly who, you know, my old man improv was. It was this guy who looked like Robin Williams with glasses and he owned Wendy's franchises in like Indiana. Really? Yeah. yeah. This guy, you know, just an old guy who I think he was, I don't know if he retired from that or he was in his fifties or uh, lower sixties for sure. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it's like just going through, it's like once I got the, once I knew the term, it's like. And was aware of it as a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw them all over the place, and they continue to haunt stages everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it's a thing. I don't know. I mean, it's it's funny. Like I remember after the Rolling Stone thing, they had a there was a short lived reality show that next summer. Uh, what was it called? It was like uh, it was called like um, oh, like I'm from Rolling Stone. Right. And I and I and I, I don't know if you even remember this show. I don't know. It was on like TV, like this I think thing? it was on. It, I don't know if it was on VH1. Okay. Or what was it on? It may have been on MTV or VH1 or one of those. But like they sent, um, they sent these letters out to like everyone who had just finished interning at Rolling Stone, asking if we wanted to audition to be on the show. Like the reality show is like just following an intern around at Rolling Stone. I remember looking at it. I probably still have the letter somewhere. I was like, there's no way I'm going to try to be on this show because it's going to, it's going to be so boring. Like showing me like eating my sad plastic bag lunches. (laughs) Alone at the park. Yeah. 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 Like, like researching for stuff and (laughs) not, not doing a ton of drugs, not drinking a ton and not sleeping with people. Yeah. Well, every um, once in a while, you could throw up the devil horns and stick your tongue out, and maybe yeah. that will be the music part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That, that, that's a. Uh, I don't know. This is all like ancient history stuff. So I could go on and on and on. I don't know. What if it's um, interesting to you? Um. No. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's fascinating. Again, I think it's the whole thing of the um, the insider from as you. I mean. From yeah. from the outsider's point of view, it's like when I think of like when I thought of the onion, for instance, it's like, damn, this is it. This is gonna be people cracking up, busting jokes, or even if it was the A V club, once I understood that, it's like these people love movies, music, entertainment. They're just like these are the people you wanna be around and then and then you like with Rolling Stone, it's like you know, all the musicians and this and that that I don't just just from the cover alone, just looking at the cover, never being really much of a reader of a magazine. It's like, oh, damn, that's yeah. going to be like a badass place. But I feel like I, I don't know if I'm like unique in that I do that, like in but I feel like I do that to everything. And it's always typically so much 
it's not nearly as interesting or or fun as it is in my head <laughs> yeah i mean there is that old simpsons thing too where like bart tries to visit mad magazine where like i don't know if you remember that or like i think it's like uh I think it's just it's like a normal thing to associate like oh this is like the output is pretty fun so this must be pretty fun mm -hmm. people um now I just feel like I'm like I'm ragging on it all these years later uh but I definitely like I understand that time much clearer and I think I understand like ways like it definitely was good training for you know same with the improv like stuff I'm doing now or stuff I'm interested in now or my approaches to stuff now but uh yeah man i mean it was a weird time there really aren't even like print publications anymore uh i think there's more comedy publications but i don't know i mean i don't know i don't i don't really know the state of funny or die i think they they had a pretty rough go of things too yeah i think they um i don't i mean they were huge in like years ago i remember like during the time we were all doing those classes i remember like just right. came out and it, it seemed like it was like all over the place and now it's like I, I barely hear anything or it's like sometimes i'm like i don't know if it's that or what exactly the reason is or maybe i'm just older now and i'm just not paying attention to it or mm -hmm. so were you interested in like writing as a kid or were you just kind of like what even got you or were you just one of those things where you just took a class and you just had a uh... teacher encouraging teacher yeah, that's an interesting question, and they kind of anticipated maybe being asked about it. Um, so my, I guess like I could say like, oh, it runs in the family, sort of like um, my dad. Uh, uh, I mean, I mentioned being written up in the sometimes before. This is a coincidence. Has nothing to do with it. Um, my dad worked for the sometimes um, for a long time, like pretty much the entire time I was growing up mm -hmm. uh and he's just always been like a like a newspaper newspaper guy um and he did a he did a book or two he has another one that i think is finishing up this year uh so like i grew up like my mom was a librarian she wanted to be a teacher um and she did do some teaching as well um so like i guess i sort of grew up like always being interested in reading uh, always being like, I, I don't know, like I had definitely had like an aptitude for like when there would be writing assignments in school, but I never really, because like I grew up with it and I'm just like so used to it being in my house. I never really thought of it as a skill that I have and mm -hmm. like a thing I can do, uh, maybe well until I honestly want to say like a few years ago, like I think it, like, I think I had to be, I think I had to be working as a writer for more than 10 years for me to even understand like, Oh, this is actually a thing that like <laughs> I have, I have like, you know, I, I think that I'm like pretty, pretty decent at like, I, I don't know what it was about growing up where I didn't recognize that. I think growing up, I had like a lot of anxiety around like, well, what am I going to do when I grow up? And mm -hmm. like, what should I do on these dumb career days? Like I remember, oh, I really love the Indiana Jones movie. Maybe I could be an archaeologist, but not really. Uh, like, I just remember those career day things, like being dumb sources of kind of childhood stress where it's like, I don't even know what to tell people, but, like, all the while I would be, like, you know, just uh, 
writing and uh, I don't think anything ever like big ambitious like I mean you know it was like writing music it would be like writing stuff in journals it would be drawing a lot I think just like I was always interested in like being creative in some fashion and Mm -hmm. like through to today we're like I don't know like I feel like I kind of take all those sort of I don't know like I feel like I like I'm not being being clear and maybe you could just repeat the question again but I, I guess like I just sort of resisted going down that path I guess because I just heard growing up so much like how like not lucrative it is and just how there are cutbacks coming everywhere and I mean, I don't really think the music business thing was like, oh, I'll go work in the music business. But, like, that idea was quickly, you know, stomped out when, like, music industry was, like, suing its customers. And Mm -hmm. there were just tons of layoffs happening and CD sales dropping. And so it just didn't seem like a stable place to go. Um, I always joke that, like, oh, I've worked in, like, every dying medium. Like, I did some stuff in radio as on-air talent in college, too. Mm -hmm. Uh I don't know. I think, like, for me, like, trying to figure out what to do with it, maybe it's like this for everyone, it's felt like, like, you sort of cross off the list of, like, the things you think maybe you could do or you might want to do. I don't know, because, like, I, I feel like that's still a thing I'm trying to figure out, um, you know. Yeah, it's it's not easy to, I mean, I feel I'm the same way. Did you feel like you were good at, like, just grammar and you just you just understood writing, like, innately? I think so. I mean, there's a, there's a story I heard growing up that like, I wasn't like, I think I learned to read at a young age and I guess I was interested in reading at a young age. I remember being encouraged to sort of keep that kind of a secret, like in preschool and stuff, or like maybe I did, maybe not in preschool, but definitely like early schooling, like not to let on that I knew how to, you know, to read, um, but I think, like, I remember, like, first grade or some very early class like that where, like, I pointed out, teacher had spelled something wrong on the board. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think that, like, I don't know what your attitude is towards it. I think you're more schooled, um, you know, in, in, in writing and stuff than than I am. Uh, yeah, I, I but, mean, I... Yeah, but it didn't it didn't come easy to me. Like I didn't really write or anything as a kid. It was more something more like a thing later in life. And then even then, it was it was pretty. It was a struggle for me, and I really wasn't much of a reader. I read like R.L. Stein books and hey, goosebumps. A lot of yeah, a lot of just uh, scary story books. Just yeah, just mostly nothing. And I remember as a kid, we'd go to the library for like grade school, and I would just pick up books of Basque old basketball books and just to look at the pictures and laugh at laugh at them it's like I, <laughs> what are you laughing at <laughs> uh just the uniforms and the haircuts you know it's like really oh, tight okay, shorts sure. and people yeah, yeah, yeah. jamming and they have a funny look on their face um so it, like to, later on like to to then go to school like i my minor was in professional writing so oh, to okay. learn all those things and then like as far as grammar goes, like I remember still struggling with it. I remember that I did horrible with it when I was younger, and then um, 
tour and then obviously in undergrad did that and then just continued working at it and working at it till I went to grad school. And then I remember in grad school, I even took like a basic grammar class <laughs> just cause I was like to understand it on a deeper level. And, and it's still something that I'm learning and trying to learn. And it's just like, I think it's just a lot of repetition yeah, I mean, the annoying thing about all those dumb rules, like I remember when I started at The Onion, like, I was like, oh, okay, I got to get all these style guides and I got to memorize these things. And uh, the annoying thing is like you commit those rules to memory and then they just like a couple of years later, they're like, oh, that rule, no one did it. So we're getting rid of it and it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, I mean, I think I learned a lot of that stuff, like the more formal stuff, the structure and the mechanics of it, like on the job but i feel like as time has gone on fewer and fewer people know about that stuff care mm. about that stuff and even necessarily know what the correct answer is yeah for sure um i mean i don't know what your approach is like i feel like my approach as a writer is to like not beat people over the head with like all the fancy things you can do like i don't know writing writing is an interesting thing and i don't really talk about it much with other people for a variety of reasons like not superstitious i just find usually many writers are annoying <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh where was i going if that yeah i mean i don't know like there's definitely things that like i'm trying to be more intentional about with my writing i wonder it would be interesting to track like when i was doing more of that performing stuff whether I was conscious of it or not, maybe I was actually a little bit more out of my head or, or not in my head uh, when I sat down to write stuff, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's funny or not. I have a feeling in hindsight that definitely was going on. I don't think you would really notice like, oh, I'm less in my head, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you... I think, um, just, I think you're just less in your head. Yeah. Do you, have you like written like a lot of funny stuff? Or because I remember talking in an email about that whole thing about... Yeah. How you said um, a quote here, you said, I'm not performing or really writing much that could be considered funny, but I feel like it's a big part of my outlook on life. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really working on anything funny now. Like I, like I, I feel like my number one struggle as a writer right now. I'm, I, I don't, I, I see, I think that actually is what's going on. I never actually thought about that until I said that, but it's like, I, I, well, I'm sorry. Can you say your question again? See, that's how in my head I am about this stuff. I already... Well, you said, like you said, like I was just, um, like for me, like for you, your writing, whole, your whole career, like and besides The Onion, besides Rolling Stone, like you went on, I mean, I don't know if we'll be able to cover everything, but you went on to work at like NBC and yeah, that's um, true. you've. You've you've conducted hundreds of interviews. I mean, maybe yeah. I don't know, like so many things. So it's like your writing to me seems like you've mostly been doing it almost like as a profession. Whereas I, right. nobody's really ever paid me. So I've been doing mainly all my writing has been more comedic and like essays, blogs, um, short yeah. fiction things. So and like we were talking about all that on email and you said that you're not performing or really writing much that could be considered funny, but I feel like it's a big part of my outlook on life. Yeah. So I guess the question is more of like, like, have you ever done that? Have you ever like really wrote for yourself besides for maybe like the music or little uh, like skits here and there? Or like, how does that? 
it's like how does thing, that sort of writing work into your life i guess or it's a thing like i feel like i've gotten i feel like one of the worst parts of becoming a professional writer is like i have this attitude of not wanting to do it now unless people are paying me mm-hmm. and and so i feel like i miss out on a lot of the sort of more laboratory aspects of it and it's a thing i feel increasingly as time goes on it's like man i wish i was still doing those exercises that like i used to make my students do of just like simple dumb shit of like you know sit down and write out lists of lists and then god do you remember in all those writing classes all the time wasted on free writing by the way (laughs) oh yeah i think that was just the teacher just being like all right let's do a 20 minute free write i'm gonna go out and check my email and smoke a cigarette yeah um it's like when I have a writing project going and I do have my first uh, book coming out this year, which is a thing that like everyone around me assumed I would do. Cause if you're a writer, obviously you're going to do a book, mm-hmm. but if you're a person who never thought about pursuing writing, it's like a weird, it, nothing is a given. Um, and so like when I'm on and I'm on deadline on a thing and I have a thing that's due, like, I will be in more of a practice of like, you know, journaling and trying to think through things and trying to approach uh, ways of thinking about the stuff that I'm going to write about. Like it's all, I think it feels very serious and I don't want to say thoughtful because I think a lot of the comedy stuff is thoughtful, but it's, it's to a point where it feels like you fast forward 10 years ago and the person 10 years later to today is like, totally different person and like how did how did this person have a background in comedy (laughs) i mean even when i was at the onion covering comedy stuff like you know my bosses would call me the nick that the dumb nickname was oh he's the comedy guy like i would cover whatever the thing is in comedy that they needed covered um and i don't know like i like i don't really think i'm a nostalgic person but i do miss like that kind of contact with those types of thinkers and, and those types of people as well as like doing more of that stupid shit like kind of for myself or just to sort of like explore it like Mm -hmm. i don't know because there's just like so much else going on now day to day and there's other things i'm working towards it's not like i feel like it's a waste of time or energy Mm -hmm. it's just like uh how do you start a habit that you've kind of fallen out of and you're not sure what you want to do with it because i used to like stick to like free writing every day and i'm not going to say it felt like a waste of time but like i feel like i need a thing that i'm working on like i can't just sit down and be like here's you know here's 30 minutes of me just sitting down writing out prose like i definitely from time to time have funny ideas and there's like funny ideas for things i wish i had written but Mm -hmm. like i mean they're not going anywhere and like everything in due time but I think it sounds bizarre to be like, yeah, there's all this other stuff I'm doing now. It's very much fueled by the way I think about like doing comedy. Uh, but the output is so drastically different. Mm. So I don't really know if that's an answer to the question, but that's like definitely where I'm at right now. Well, have you ever, I mean, was there ever a time in your life where you were writing like just, straight comedy stuff and what oh sure i mean when when we were doing all those classes i mean i would be rewriting like sketches or skits or yeah sketches and and skits and uh i mean even like you know like a pilot uh Mm -hmm. would be too embarrassing to discuss here (laughs) 
Uh, you wrote a pilot for like a TV, like an original pilot thing. Yeah. For, oh. Yeah, but like here's the thing: it was like it was like a it was like a drama though. I mean, it's like I, I I'm not sure. I think I think too like I think to do comedy, I feel like I need to work with other people. And All right. So you I, like to collaborate? I like, the, I like the collaborative part of it, and I feel like it's easier for me to sit down and pull that stuff out of my head when I'm in conversation with other people. Uh, for some reason, like to sit down by myself and to write out something that's going to be funny. Like I've done some things here or there, but I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever truly, like, I don't think there was like a single sketch I wrote during all those classes. where like, <laughs> I felt comfortable or proud of what I did. Not uh-huh. that I need to be, but I just like, man, I've, I've been doing this for years and it's like, not sure if I'm getting better at it. I don't think I'm getting worse at it, but I don't think I have a knack for, for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's just me being too harsh. And so it's just, it's funny that like, even though I felt that way, like I was still, you know, teaching other people how to do it. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't I, know. I think that's just how it goes. I mean, it's like, I, I, I haven't written sketch in so long since pretty much since like second city, that whole era back then. I mean, I would do that, but it, and now that I'm teaching it, it's just like, well, who am I? I'm not even practicing it, but it's like, I don't know. I feel like I've done it. I feel like I could get give notes on it. Like reading a sketch is kind of fun for me. It's kind of more fun than actually writing it to read someone else's sketch and provide them notes and to right. help them through. And it's an, it's, a, it's a form of collaboration, which I enjoy too, like a lot. I collaborated with a few people on Chicago for like doing little videos and stuff like that. And oh right, yeah. It was always but you did a you did a novel boot too. I mean, yeah, like I did, did a, that. You did a you did a long. I mean, I don't know. I think that's like just like one of the hardest things to do to like sit down and have the discipline to do it, like to actually do it and to finish it, and then you like tell people about it, like. Yeah, it was. I don't think I don't think people appreciate like how much work that actually takes, and it's to do a thing like no one's asking you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of the hardest <laughs> things. I wrote two of them: the one I self-published, and then the other one I just wrote. And they both took me about five years. And yeah, I bet. I, I always say a funny thing: like my parents, um, like when I wrote that novel, like nobody gave a crap about it. I mean. My my ex girlfriend didn't read it. My girlfriend now has never read it. Um, my dad tried to read it. He's like, I couldn't get through. You know, couldn't get through it. Ouch. <laughs> and <laughs> um, and it was like, um, but if I um, like I I bought in when I bought a new car, like a few years ago or a couple of years ago. My parents were like super proud. People people were acting like it was the most the biggest accomplishment of my life buying a car buying a car and also making a turkey dinner i feel like were the two most like uh celebrated things from people and baking a pie um other people's metrics are different yeah and i was like you understand like you're just saying it's like how much time and effort and probably how much i time i took off my life and how I spent five years like in a world basically that was like on a different plane of existence and editing and thinking and obsessing and it's like they don't even it i don't know if people who write or people who do any sort of writing i'm just you know i think it's uh i think it's pretty cool to have somebody who could no matter what form they're doing or what format that it's like they sat down and you know nowadays people can't even 
you know, sit down for like a minute or so without checking their phone or doing right. a lot of things. So it's like to have that discipline and to use that brain power and focus it in on something that you're trying to make funny or trying to make entertaining or whatever you're trying to do, I just think is like super interesting and um, mm-hmm. just such a great use of brain power. And, and then the editing process as well of like combing through it again and again and again and uh, finessing it. So it's like perfect. I don't know. I just think it's a, uh, I, I appreciate it more than I think the majority of people do. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think it's cool. You have a car too, but I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think, I think the novel is, uh, it's one of those things that like a lot of people say they're going to do or want to do, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, there's that whole nano Rymo thing, you know? Every oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of cool stuff has come out of that, but like, that's the thing too, where like people need the, they, they, they there's like that camaraderie there to kind of buoy people, but, Five years sounds about right. So uh, what was, yeah, so you, you your book coming up, um, how long, or when did you start that, or what was that, what was that process like? Because I, I yeah. mean, again, I don't know if the one listener who's listening in right now um, <laughs> would be fine, but I, I, I love talking about, like, writing processes and yeah. stuff like that. Like, I'm, a, like, a huge geek about it, and uh, yeah. like you said, most writers are annoying. Like, I went to grad school thinking, again, like, um, as I did with the onion or rolling stone that it would be some amazing experience with these amazing people who just get me and this and that. But the majority of them, it's just like everything else in life. It's like, there's some cool people for sure, but they're not all. I mean, I don't even keep in touch with anyone I met from rolling stone. Cause like I was there and I think this is like when things in media were really starting to be disrupted by the internet. Like, like everyone was just gone by like, like they did that reality show and there were a couple people that like I worked with, mm-hmm. um, but everyone was just gone. And like, they like went to like, I don't know, like they're in charge of copy for Madison square garden or one person went to MTV. Like they all dispersed. And like, I was just an intern who was there for some summer, uh, and barely, you know, I was subsumed with some project they gave me. So I made no real impact or contact with anybody, but like, uh, I mean, it took me a long time to realize, like, the value of, like, what I got my degree in, um, and, like, it took a couple, it took many years of, like, doing work as, you know, writing about entertainment, doing journalism about entertainment, uh, or I came to understand, like, the thing that really interests me as a writer, uh, when, when doing reporting work is, like, I'm interested in, like, how, like, industries resist change and actively make them worse, and uh, I'm interested in, like, a lot of stuff about perceptions about um, the internet and sort of the way it kind of obscures us, like, thinking about the way we treat each other. Um, It's all kind of heavy stuff that I don't think is really that related to the to the comedy stuff but mm-hmm. it's 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 related to the book because like uh five years ago so i think it's actually i think it actually tracks with what you were saying about your book because mm-hmm. like five years ago i started this project yeah where i'm doing like a ton of interviews is I that the don't it, die um, yeah it's 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 the don't die uh interview series that i do which people can check out i'm sure you'll give them the link um mm-hmm. Yeah, there'll be a link on the web page uh, yeah. for sure. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it came out of, like, a lot of curiosities that I had, and it also came out of this feeling that, like, I'm not really seeing reporting on the kind of questions that I have about, like, those kind of broader topics. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I read I, a, an article that you shared that's also from USA, USA Weekly, I think, or USA oh, Today. Oh, USA Today, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, from, it like, was five just, years ago. Yeah. Um, so that's probably when it started, or... Yeah, it started uh, late 2014, and Diablo but it was basically started. like the video game industry was almost like just the whole culture that it is today with politics, where people are sending death threats and just being crazy over <laughs> content yeah. or games, yeah. and, and and the writers and the producers of these games are treated kind of like Hollywood system, where. <laughs> They're yes. not getting compensated. It's just like, what the fuck? Well, there's like a lot of online abuse. And I think there was a lot of stuff that was swimming around where there were, there were a lot of like attitudes of like behaving like video games, like, and, and like the cultures and subcultures around them, like created basically treating other people like shit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I feel like you go back in time and there are, there have to be previous examples of people treating each other like shit. Um, before video games and before the internet. And I just was really fascinated in like why it seemed to be so sticky to blame these kind of things on people who are interested in games and why it's so sticky to sort of talk like, you know, people who use the internet, like this stuff kind of exists in a vacuum. Like if you're interested in video games, like that's the sole thing driving the way you're behaving and treating other people. (laughs) So, I mean, that that's kind of a through line too is like when i was at places like the onion like i helped introduce like a video game section uh which was like a huge push uphill where like you know like we're taking all these other forms of entertainment seriously so why not also video games um and i just had a lot of questions at that time or five years ago as i still do um about the way these things are thought about the way these things are written about and the way these things are the limits to the ways these these things can be considered. And so, uh, yeah, I started just doing interviews because I felt like I'm tired of kind of waiting for permission to do stories about the stuff I'm curious about. And at the time, editors weren't really sharing my curiosity. And so I just sort of started with like a couple questions that I had and trying to, you know, find people to talk to. And it just kind of grew and grew and the questions got bigger and bigger. And how did you find these people that you were just locating them sending them an email and being like hey and and just kind of give them a rundown and a lot of them yeah pretty much yeah pretty much i mean i i uh i don't really pay attention to this is i think part of oh yeah that's the other thing i want to say it's like yeah a lot of writers are annoying but that's just because a lot of people are annoying in general and so i mean i don't know like like one of the big turnoffs about like writers and things for me is like I'm not really that fixated on like well what's my brand and yeah, how big yeah, is yeah. my audience <laughs> and, and how much of an impact am I making like I'm mm-hmm. always interested in like can I write about this stuff to like explore what I'm curious in and the point of it is to just do it it's not to necessarily like you know affect some sort of outcome or to like be seen doing mm-hmm. it and so I don't know I mean I think I built up a reputation like over the last 10 years and I think a lot of people like at least knew of me and my work and like where I'm coming from. And so like I had a bunch of contact 
excuse me, I had a bunch of contacts already, like people who like were up for talking, kind of being the first guinea pigs. But like I found people through like you know social media and just sort of really making a big push as you do um, at the beginning of a project mm-hmm. and. I don't know, man. I mean, it really wasn't like a goal of like, oh, and then I'll do a book. Like, I thought I would be done after a year of doing it where it's like, oh, I'll learn everything I wanted to learn. Um, but yeah, I mean, it led to, uh, I want to say like two Decembers ago, like being introduced to a publisher and we set up like a Skype call like week before Christmas and they were like, oh, well, you know, like your work's really interesting. Like, let's talk about maybe doing a book together. Why don't you come up with a few ideas? And like, I pitched them like three ideas. <laughs> they didn't like any of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then over the course of the call, like, I guess like in the way you do in these pitch meetings, like just tap dancing, like we, we hit on a thing, uh, which they then greenlit. And then I spent most of uh, last year uh so wait december 2018 then i think it took until july the next year for paperwork to finally be put together um and then i did a bunch of interviewing that i don't know i lose track of time never mind all this this this, uh covid stuff but yeah i mean like i spent a year doing all the reporting on it doing a bunch more interviews for that and then uh knock on wood the writing has been pretty quick like i turned in the book um last year and we're now like going through the process of like finalizing edits and uh we'll just see i think it'll be out this year it was supposed to be out this spring but you know it's a global pandemic and the factories were shut down so we couldn't print them up so yeah and what's the book called again uh book is called all the rage and so it's like an oral history of blame the internet and kind of video games i mean video games are a big part of it but it's more like it's more about like online subcultures and the kind of habits of like lazy thinking that we tend to have when we Mm -hmm. think about like blame and the internet so i mean i feel like that sounds like hyper academic and serious compared to like (laughs) starting from a place of comedy like i swear it sounds super Uh serious but like but like there are there are moments that are pretty funny in the book, even though it's about this really, really heavy, awful shit. So, so did you infuse comedy like naturally, or do you think that you like were aware of it, or how like how like what was your style as far as like writing, or was there a voice to it, or did you just write it in your own? So the book is an oral history, which is uh-huh. a term I'm, I'm learning most people actually don't know, but like that means that 100 percent or 99 percent of the book is like. Like, my job as writer is more in, like, editor. All right. Although it is being edited and stuff, it's, like, it's all, like, arranging excerpts from all these... I did 90 interviews for it. Wow. Uh, And those are separate from the ones for my... For Don't Die. Uh, Yeah. Um, So a lot of the work was, like... And that's why I needed to do so much, like, free writing and stuff. It's, like, well, I couldn't write anything myself. Uh, So it's, like, well, what am I... What if, what is it like? It wasn't like the kind of thing where it's like, all right, I'm going to do dozens and dozens of interviews to like prove some point I, I have. It's like starting with a couple of questions, seeing where other people go and then trying to honor that, you know, uh, while also making sure there's like a good mix of like what other people think. So I think just like necessarily like there are moments of like comic relief because I think nobody wants to read like a, 
a really depressing book that's going to anger them. Like, I think it's important. You know, it's all like, it's all that comedy stuff again, where like, you got to build up tension and mm-hmm. then break it in an unexpected way. And that's like, that's why people laugh, I guess. But that's also, I think like how you keep people's attention and like hold on to it rather than, cause like, if it's just like one thing over and over and over again, it's just, it's really boring. I'm sure you know more of like the mechanics of this stuff than, than I do. Um, just with like your studies and stuff, but I don't think it was a thing where I ever sat down. I was like, Oh, this book should also be funny. And I think it was just like, uh, I mean, you know, like, like when it's like properly announced and out, like, I'm not sure what your interest level is. If, if, if you'll wind up, uh, wanting to read it or if you'll just wind up being proud of me for making a, a turkey dinner someday. <laughs> but like, no, it sounds interesting. I like reading. I don't I don't typically read all funny stuff or watch all funny yeah. stuff. It's like kinda like Mick. I mean I remember he's like, I never seen an episode of Seinfeld or like doesn't watch any comedy or anything like that. Well the that. end of his the end of his book is like don't be a fat slob who never goes outside because you're always doing improv. Like have yeah, have, yeah. have have, have, have a life and other yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah, I mean, it's just such a, I don't know. I feel like it's just such a relevant topic and I kind of like, I'm kind of the same way as you are. I mean, I kind of like taking a wide sample and kind of, I mean, the idea, like you said, you're not directing, you didn't come up with some objective and be like, I'm going to go find 90 people to agree with my point of view or my opinion. It's like, that's kind of exactly what I'm into. It's like the fact, I mean, just, just taking a wide sample of people who are maybe experts on the topic or have something to say of interest that's interesting and, right um editing that into a point into a way that's digestible to the reader and that's interesting i mean it sounds like a cool book like i'll definitely, oh, I'll definitely will read it i'm not I'll definitely yeah i mean it's funny because i remember when i started like i don't know for you what your whole creative process is or if you bristle at that term but like for me I always feel like, well, there's no way I can do this thing. Like that's, that's part of like the beginning of the thing. It's like, I know the thing I want to do and not feeling inadequate to it, but like, it's like, all right, well, I'm just going to like break my back, like doing (laughs) tons of research, becoming like, if not an expert, like very aware of all these types of things and then starting to form opinions about like, what am I noticing about like all this stuff I'm taking in and what would I like to see out there? Mm -hmm. that's not out there. Uh, yeah i mean like i even though it's not really from my other all my other interviews like it's obviously informed by it but like even though the writing was fairly quick and there were a lot of interviews even though that process was like kind of condensed in like a couple of months two winters ago uh i mean i i wouldn't have been able to do to do that if i hadn't five years ago you know started doing all those interviews so i think five years for like a a thing that you're doing on your own to turn into a book. I don't know if that sounds long or fast to people. That just, to me, that sounds, that sounds about right. You know? Yeah. That sounds, yeah. For me, unless you're like Stephen King or, uh, and one of these other writers that are cranking out more than a book a year or something like that. But yeah, for me, I mean, it seems like a standard for a a decent amount of people. I mean, Mm -hmm. especially if you're, you have life to contend with as well. And you have other responsibilities go to, yeah, you know, like relationships or work or just everything else. Like go, turkey dinners. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta buy a car. Or you know, the, the, the fundamentals of being an adult. 
I, I remember when I was a kid, I used to think, like, uh, the epitome, like, being a man, like, you become a man when you can touch the ceiling in any room mm-hmm. in your house. It could be just one room. Uh, I'm not doing a bit. This is what I actually thought when I was a All kid. Right. So you, you would be able to touch the ceiling um, when you learn to whistle and when you learn to snap your fingers. Like, that's like, okay, puberty has started. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a good test, I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can do all three now, so I guess I must be a man. But you, you pass the test. So, <laughs> inconclusive, I wanna... inconclusive. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to ask you a little bit more before we start wrapping this up here. But yeah, sure. Um, just the, uh, I guess, what are your, what is your? I mean, because a lot of the stuff that you sent me or that you've done, you've done a lot of interviews with people. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so. Is that something you ever thought that you wanted to do? I mean, because the writing, it sounds like you're saying, it's just kind of like a fluke that happened and now you're into it. And I don't know, it seems like you still, it seems sounds like you still question it to a, to a degree. And, but the interview seems to be a constant stream. And I was just wondering like mm-hmm. how you got into that, if it was just um, another part of the writing and what your oh, thoughts on yeah. are I mean, the... I'll, for, Sorry, go ahead. Just what your thoughts are on like interviewing people and conducting them. Um, yeah, it's funny. For somebody who does so many of them, no one ever asks me that. Um, but like, you know, similar to the last five years leading into the book, I mean, like I, the interviewing is something I got a lot of experience doing. Um, maybe not so much at Rolling Stone. Like at the end of the internship, they let me write up uh, one thing. Uh, that involved like some actual reporting. Um, that was so long ago. I remember using like a radio shack phone tap, um, (laughs) actually like plug into the jack. And I remember using like audio cassettes. Nice. Uh, yeah, I think I sold those. I worked at radio shack when I was on California on on sunset Boulevard Boulevard. (laughs) You, that was the one that, uh, Phoenix died in that radio shack. Did he die in a Radio Shack? No, he died um, at the Viper Club, I think. On oh, really? Street. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. The Viper Room, yeah. Down the street, uh, yeah. You know, I tried to support Radio Shack, so you can't pin that one on me. <laughs> even, even in 2005. Um, you know, I think, like, the, the interviewing is an interesting thing. It's a thing that I even hesitate now to call them interviews because they try to be conversations like you yeah. and I are having. Um, but it's the thing I just built up a lot of experience with, um, you know, since the onion, since the very end of Rolling Stone, I think the difference is like when I was at the onion, you know, I was basically working three people's jobs, um, as we were dealing with like expanding into online and figuring out what that meant and what that looked like and how we should measure success. And, um, uh, and so by necessity, I think like, I really credit like my, approach to interviewing to how overworked I was at the onion, um, where like, I, I think each, I think each of those interviews I approached, um, in the way I was talking about with like this book where it's like, well, I'm not an expert on such and such person and there's no way I could, I could get an interesting conversation out of, you know, whatever comedian or musician or well, Gallagher, I'm, for instance, I read oh I read that one, and uh, he, did, it's did it's pretty fascinating, like the stuff that he says in his there thoughts. There used to be there used to be audio with that. Oh, really? Article, nice. Because because no one would believe reading it that, that was a conversation that 
Is he getting progressively louder as the interview? <laughs> well, it's just like the things he was saying. It's like it's mm-hmm. worth hearing it in his voice, but also like the types of things he was saying and to just hear it coming out of a mouth and to hear, you know, another person, you know, I guess in this case, like me in my early 20s, like like just sort of dealing with that in real time and, and, and still trying to be, you know, like the Were professional you the... one. Were you in the oh, room so with him? The, it was over the phone. Oh shit! <laughs> and and the funny thing is, like, yeah. So I mean, yeah. If uh, you if if anybody yeah. listens, you got to read that interview. It's it's a great. And I think, I think one of the fascinating things for me, really quick, uh, was just yeah. like you kind of just. I mean, he, well, you start off with a question, then he's like saying, "Oh, you're gonna attack me right away," and it's kind of like uh, I, I, I. He like My became memory, very yeah. defensive, and then uh, I don't. It felt like you just gave little things after that, and he just kind of went. And I was like, "That was great." I mean, like you just got him talking, and he just kept going and going about like a lot of things. <laughs> So I think I think that like like the writing like I think that's a skill I have that I don't really understand or I don't think I'm intentional about is like I give other people I think it's an improv thing too it's like you give people other space to to breathe and to react and to not be judged and yeah I think I think for like as far as the onion and like that Gallagher thing like I think like it's in that that bio thing I guess you'll post but like that's really I think like my legacy it's the thing that people remember most about my time there I don't know how to feel about that I understand it um but I think that like that is a thing very much informed by like just just being so overworked there at that time where I was like, all right, well, I want to just, like, find a thing to have an interesting conversation about with this person. Like, I don't want to talk about, like, their new album, their new special, the new thing Mm -hmm. that they're pushing. Because, like, everyone else, like, that's a very easy interview to have that this person Mm -hmm. can go and do elsewhere. Um, Well, you looked up something from Oregon or something, and then that's how it kicked off. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's that thing, too, where it's, like, just be, like like obsessively thorough uh-huh. like doing doing your homework i think that was the thing that i got very much schooled in there is like you come prepared um and 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 uh i don't know about like as far as like just like the it's it's funny because like i feel like as time has gone on i'm not sure people are even aware that like that's where i come from is like i am a writer and that's how i got my start mm-hmm. and that's sort of like the point of doing all these interviews is to like write stuff about it because it's it's been funny to track like as i post all these interviews through these last five years like like people would go from oh i really enjoyed your new post or like like they would still call them like not articles but they would call them posts or all, all the way through to now where people i don't know if they, they may do this with your podcast where they uh they now referred to my interviews as, oh yeah, I'd love to come on your show. Um, so I think that like, there's really not this broader awareness and it's probably equally my fault because I just, I haven't written anything of note. I, I haven't been able to top that Gallagher interview. <laughs> 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 uh, but I mean, that's been a thing that I've done for, for many, many years is, is, is interviews, but I don't really know. I mean, I'm happy to talk about it. I don't really know. I probably have opinions about the way I approach it and why, but I don't think I've ever, it's like the writing stuff. It's like, I don't mm. know. I sit down and I do this and this is what comes out. And well, I think I like you said it. something, you said it like, it's something about your personality and that you allow people the room to be themselves and you give them the room to breathe. And 
Like that's one of the reasons I started this. Cause it's like, I've had lots of mm-hmm. maintain a lot of relationships. Like we were talking like, you know, we mean you email people for long amounts of time. We have long right. of phone conversations and even strangers. Sometimes people I meet at work, it's like, I'll just start talking to them. Like some of the stuff that they start talking about, I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, why are you telling me this? (laughs) I have that too. (laughs) And it's just like, I don't know if it's something that like, it's gotta be something. And and I just also really like it. So I don't know. I think it's, I don't know. Do you, do you enjoy like doing the interview, the interviews and all that? Oh, for sure. I mean, there's always like, I think the thing with like the interviews I'm doing now and I think what's, I mean, maybe it's true. I don't know. Maybe it's true of like 10, 15 years ago, which is crazy to think I've been doing that stuff that long. Sometimes like, I'm not interested in like what the answer to a question is. I'm interested to hear like, like a question responded to mm-hmm. sometimes almost like, well, what do people think about the question? Like, I think sometimes I talk to people and they don't make that distinction because it's coming out of their coming out of my mouth. They think like, oh, this is the thing he thinks. And maybe sometimes like judging me a little for thinking it. Um, I don't know. That makes it all sound a little, little mind gamey. Uh, I don't think, hopefully it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. I don't think so. Me. I mean, I think yeah. that's a better way of doing it. I mean, I don't have any answers to anything. I mean, no, me I, I, mean I, I think the person who has it figured out, it's like, you wouldn't even really want to listen to that interview. I mean, I've, I know some people who are not personally, but just right. podcasts I listen to or interviews I see where a person is just, they know everything they know how everything's supposed to be and it just becomes event i mean it could be funnier entertaining at a certain point but then after a while it's just the same old same old and it's just it's like all right i get your perspective on things let the guest talk or <laughs> yeah i mean i yeah of course i i, I wouldn't be doing these, these 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 interviews i've been doing the last few years um and beyond if i didn't enjoy it um i i think that like something that's just true today is like five years ago when I started it, it's like, it's, I don't think it's like a quote unquote normal thing to do. Like, unless you do call it a podcast or something, but, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, this opens up a whole other can of worms. I know you said you wanted to wrap up, but it's like, I think it's just kind of unfortunate that like the idea of, um, like all the attention that my my that like don't die has gotten like the fact that like it seems so strange to people or interesting or unusual that like hey two people are just going to talk on mm-hmm. the internet and like <laughs> they're not going to be screaming at each other they're not going to be like trying to label or criticize or condemn the other person it's like mm-hmm. it, it was very much against the grain you know five years ago and it still is and, yeah for um, sure i don't really know what to say about that other than like i recognize that's a thing have a lot, uh, i mean yeah i i mean to me it's refreshing is i mean anytime anyone could have a conversation because i i personally am just so sick of all the back and forth with politics or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean even going back to improv and we talked a little bit about like alan watts and stuff like that it's like oh, it's yeah, the whole yeah. thing about reaching this level of enlightenment where it's almost like you don't have any opinions on anything and <laughs> Yeah, I remember that being a thing, and like, like, like when I started it, where I was like, "Well, why, well, why do you need to have an opinion?" Like, or like, or do I need to have an opinion about this thing? Or mm-hmm. like, I remember like you know years and years ago, like it being mind blowing. I was like, "Whoa, not everything has to be binary. Like, there could be a third thing." Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's um, I don't know the Alan, the Alan Watts thing. There was a quote I read like a week or two ago where he's talking about like. 
he's talking about like, well, you know, like the point of like a concerto or an opera is like not the final note that's hit. Like, mm-hmm. I've been thinking about that a lot where I feel like you get involved with like these big, I think improv is a big part of that too. Like in, in some way where it's like, well, this goes back to the goal oriented stuff too. Where it's like, well, maybe it's not to accomplish anything, but it's like, you know, the point of it is to do it and the kind of experience you have through the ride. So yeah. I think that's like one of the big things, like, you know, from, from where you and I met, mm-hmm. not, not in the first place, but, it, but at annoyance and beyond, like, that's that's really like I think been like the big thing that's changed, um, you know my my DNA my outlook on kind of everything. Of just trying to be on the ride and just trying to not yeah. get so caught up in the result. I mean I don't know if Steve Mar- Steve Martin coined it, but I remember reading in his book that he had something <laughs> somewhere that said like yeah you know you buy the ticket you take the ride. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a Hunter S. Thompson thing, I think, too. By the time, <laughs> oh, Rolling Stone, full circle, first full circle. <laughs> what what I mean, did he, he say? <laughs> I think he said something like the same. Buy the ticket, take the. I don't know, because he he was definitely on a ride. That's for sure. I mean, oh yeah, well maybe it was from him then. I don't know. I don't know where that quote came from. Yeah, but it's um, yeah, I think the, the older I get, the more I I don't know. I I just had an opinion on something the other day, and whenever I form it. I was like telling my girlfriend, I'm like, because this this house that we're living in is, is being sold or in the process of being sold. And somebody came to look at it on Sunday and they were going to put in an offer, and but they wanted a third bedroom. And that's the room that I'm in now. And I was like, oh, they're not going to come see this room. They're not, And they're just going to be like, oh, screw this house. I'm not going to buy it. And I was like, there's no way they're going to put a kid in this room. And of course they bought it. So we have to, we have to move. Oh, but shit. I was just like, every time I think that i have something figured out or i think i know something the universe just throws it in my face like i don't know that's what it does seems that, to does be that, does that frustrate you or do you think like i think it's like it, did, it frustrated yeah. me at first just because it's like uh well if you have to move and find a new place that's a different thing. oh that's well that's not, fine that's, but that's, i'm just saying the things like about a, like yeah. the opinion thing like having an opinion and thinking that i have to be right about it and now it's just kind of a funny thing. It's just kind of a reminder whenever I have any sort of solid thoughts or belief on anything that it's just, uh, it just gets thrown back in my face and it's like, just don't <laughs> stop trying to, to do that. Stop trying to figure it out. I don't know. It, and I think everybody is different and I, and I think everybody just, uh, I think it's important to like, listen to whatever signs you're being given or whatever, way you're like leaning in life whatever however it's pushing you and to kind of like hop on board that ride or whatever and kind of just enjoy it yeah i guess like the choice before us now you know during like pandemic and quarantine and stuff is like (laughs) are you gonna be the dog or are you gonna be the misogynist like How are you going to react? I, I guess this would be one of those things where, like, maybe there's a third path. Um, I don't know. That's a that's a whole that's a whole other whole other trip, man. It's like kind of the way, like, globally, nationally, et cetera, Like, we're all kind of being thrown for this loop of, of thinking about these kinds of things. Yeah, it, definitely. I mean, it, it was it was another 
huge shock. And a lot of people are saying it on podcasts and stuff like that. Sometimes I feel like I'm just reiterating things that I hear, but it's just, uh, I don't know. I think it just really shows you that nothing's secure, that this life isn't safe or guaranteed. And I don't know, like a lot of people are saying, just, you know, just do, I think it, and it's what I've been doing my whole life. I basically been living, by my own rules and standards and right. within society's limits of what I have to do to survive, like pay taxes or have a job or do whatever. But I've, I've never kind of like you, it's like, I, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do exactly for a long time. And I never really wanted to get pigeonholed into something. And that, I don't know, it sounded like your outlook in the beginning was, I don't know if I'm putting words in your mouth, but it sounded like you were just kind of, like that was something that you didn't want. And I think the older I, I think I wa- thought I wanted it at first, but then like eventually I was like, I don't, I I don't know. I feel like if you get a job that you are just doing over and over again, 40 hours a week, you just, you stop growing, you stop learning mm. and you just become complacent and your, your life basically ends. <laughs> I got news for you. It's going to end either way. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, it definitely I, will, but it could end sooner, I guess, when you oh, still... Oh, for sure. Yeah, nothing's promised to anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so I mean, so what do you... I mean, yeah, I, I'm not in a rush or anything. I didn't want to say that before, so we keep going here. But um, what are you going to... So the book's coming out. Like, what, what, after, what happens after the book comes out? You're just going to kind of see what happens or... Yeah, I mean, it sounds cynical. Uh, maybe I've sent this on email to you before, but for the one listener you have, this will be everything <laughs> to say. Um, you know, like from people I know who have written books, like they kind of say, well, don't don't write a book for the money. Um, books are kind of more like uh, business cards you use that like – can open doors by people who like need to be impressed in that way. Like it's like, in other words, it's like for opportunities, like you probably could do before you wrote the book, but there's something about like telling people, Oh, I did a book and blah, 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 blah. They're like, Oh, really interesting. Well, like suddenly like it gives you this like gravitas or whatever. Uh, so I don't really know. I mean, like it's still all like up in the air, like when it's going to come out and what the plan is going to be to like try to make noise for it and get it noticed. And those are all kind of things that uh, are very opposite to the way that I try to exist as a writer, which is like Mm -hmm. to just put stuff out, like make it put stuff out. And I remember like even at the onion, that kind of being the thing where like with print deadlines and stuff, like by the time it's out into the world, like because it was wrapped probably two weeks before, like I've already forgotten it and I'm working on other stuff. So um, so this will be an interesting challenge of like, who's going to be interested in, in talking to me and what do I have to say about it? And can I, can I talk about it and like not get people mad at me or put my foot in my mouth in some unexpected way? Yeah. Um, well, other, well, like other you, than that, yeah. Gone. No, you're no, good. No, no, I would, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, other than that, like, uh, I'm just sort of taking opportunities as they come and I had some stuff lined up before all this hit that is very much up in the air and mm-hmm. uncertain. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of tinkering on another book that I think uh, is a little bit more uh, spiritually aligned with some of the stuff we're talking about, like with like creativity and like, you know, marching to the, you know, your own beat 
Um, but that's super early days where we're still like we've been working on it since January. And that's uh, a collaborate collaboration project. Yeah, that's a collaboration with uh, a friend uh, I've known for a while uh, who is uh, working out of DePaul right now, and he's into all sorts of interesting stuff, like with like maker spaces and. He's like he's he's uh, like a like a computer science dude. Like he's uh, got a certain. <laughs> I don't think he's like a performer. I actually I should ask him, um, but he's like one of the funniest uh, guys I know. And so that's actually a thing I'm hoping for with that book is like some of that natural humor might shine through a little more while also reconnecting with some of that teaching stuff you and I were talking about. So so that's on the back burner. Um, I'm taking some stuff as it pops up, and I'm just trying to not lose my head <laughs> yeah. with like with like everything being up in the air but mm-hmm. uh I, you know the thing is a freelance writer and and living sort of floating between things like i kind of have joke like oh this is like the olympics i've been preparing for you know for years like uh so i think like maybe improv stuff ties into this too where it's like yeah like i'm, I'm comfortable being uncomfortable not knowing where this stuff is gonna go but you know my hope is after like uh, a lot of tosses and turns and things not coming through that like either through the book or through something else like this will be kind of turning a new page on stuff and uh it's funny i feel more like yeah once things are, are a little bit more stable a little bit more set like i feel more like i want to get back into like playing music rather than performing comedy i don't know why that is i think it's more like interested in like doing stuff uh that doesn't involve using words. So like All playing right. music, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a whole nother, it's a whole language upon itself. I feel like. Right. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of where, where things are at now. I mean, I'm keeping on doing my interviews and, uh, so this was like a nice, you know, nice change of pace. Cause I didn't have to ask any questions. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, we started off the, episode with a story about an accusation an accusation of uh (laughs) of me going downtown to enter and you interviewing me and now the tables have turned Uh, yeah and you um but i'm like you i'm gonna give you the job oh thank you all right well let me know i'll send you some references if you change your mind (laughs) But no, it's been uh, it's been great talking to you, and yeah, I mean, I think just on the book, um, mm-hmm. like you're saying, it's like uh, could possibly lead to teaching opportunities too. It sounds like that's something you're interested. Yeah, in. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I that's the other thing I've learned too is like do a book and don't expect like any particular outcomes from it. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, I'm one of the reasons I went to grad school. I was like, well, I guess I could go to teach because I was like, I don't know what the hell else to do. Right. And I'm like, but then now I'm just like, well, now I need a book. I'm like, well, I have a self-published book, but I can't, no one's, they're not as impressed by that. <laughs> Who's they though? Like, like who is this they we're doing all Academia? this stuff for? Yeah. Well, I don't have a, a terminal degree, so that's kind of a non-starter as they call it. Although you do. Yeah, I do. Maybe they'll, I'll, they'll meet me in the middle somewhere. Maybe we could do like a, like a, get a really tall trench coat. And yeah, <laughs> you could be on, you could be on the top, and 
you could just say you're me, although with your degree. Well, I should be tall enough to touch the ceiling, and then yeah, yeah, as long yeah. as I get snap and whistle, I should be all right. right. Yeah, see, there's no no no, no wrong ideas in brainstorming. It's just, a, it's just a thing I, it's an idea I feel like, oh, I want to disprove that. <laughs> uh, well, cool, man. Um, I was going to ask you, too, do you have any... Um, before we end, do you have any yeah. music at all from your old band days that that you could share, or is, oh, is it all? Gosh, yeah, I'm sure I could dig it up. Well, uh, if you want, it's up to you. I mean, this this one listener who's been hanging on throughout this almost two and a half hour conversation. They're demanding it. They're yeah, they want to know <laughs> either the variety show or the battle of the bands noise. Noise generators. Noise generators or yeah. or one of the other ones, one of the lemonade yeah. stands or something. One of the, I'll, uh, one of the I'll, hits. Dig, I'll, I'll dig it up. I'm sure it would be thoroughly embarrassing. Uh, not for me, for the other people I was doing it with. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, cool, I'll man. Dig we'll, it, I'll dig it up and I'll, I'll get it to you if you want it, yeah. Well, again, it's been great talking with you. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for doing this. Um, yeah, man, for sure. It's been a blast. Um, All right, dude. All right. Well, thanks a lot, everyone, and hope you enjoyed the episode, and that is it. Good night. Smell you later.